Attention, scum! You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you... I want more. I want to see the others on the big top five. I want to see Penny and Charlie and Sarah, all of them, you know, just see them and talk to them. You know, like a Bruce Springsteen song. You call, you ask them how they are, and see if they've forgiven you. Yeah, and then, and then I'd feel good. And they'd feel good. You know, they'd feel good maybe, but, but you'd feel better. I'd feel clean and calm. That's what you're looking for. You want to get ready to start again? It'd be good for you. Great, even. You give that big final good luck and goodbye to your all-time top five and just move on down the road. Well, I stood stone like at midnight, suspended in my masquerade. And I combed my hair, it was just right, and commanded the night brigade. My sails were set wing to wing I had a jukebox graduate for first mate She couldn't sail, but she sure could slam And I pushed me 52 and bombed them with a loose With my gear set stubborn on standing I broke all the rules straight my old high school Month-long vacations in the stratosphere And you know it's really hard to hold your breath Swear I lost everything I ever loved to fear I was a cosmic kid in full costume dress
I was ready to break in Lost in the Flood. Ah, oh, buddies, it's the Ron Fez Show. Movie Club Day. Let's get ready to light this one up. It's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's XM202, Sirius 197. We'll take your phone calls. Looking for the Ichiban. Ichiban, of course, means number one. Number one. Those were very pack rim. We're very aware we're on the satellite. So we're not just using the English language. We're going to drop some Japanese on you, a little Spanish, German, and a little Istanbuli. Here's uh, Sean in PA. Sean's feeling very excited. He's talking a little louder. He's walking a little prouder. What's going on, Mr. B? It's all about Pittsburgh today, buddy. All right, Mr. B. Eat your mouth for you, buddy. Yeah. Pittsburgh is a city of champions in the state of Pennsylvania this year, my friend. Well, first of all, uh, if you look down at Pennsylvania, they, took, they took three out of four. The, the state yeah. of Pennsylvania has taken three out of the four championships uh, of the majors. If Los Angeles was in Pennsylvania, we'd have to close the goddamn country down. Uh, here is uh, Pat in Florida. Pat, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yes, sir. Yeah, magic shit the bed. Uh, Lakers win. Pony up another hundred, Fezzy. Yeah, drop yourself a quick honey, Fezzy. You drop four bills on this uh, stupid serious bet in your uh, state. You are completely right, though. The Magi, the Orlando Magi, um, knocking off the Celtics, knocking off the Cavs. And everybody's going, well, this is not the fucking finals we want. And the people in Orlando are going, we don't give a shit. We're taking it all. Then they get there in the finals, and they let down. They just lay it down, lay it down like a candle in the rain. Let me tell you something. You don't fucking drop two out of three in your house, and you don't let the other team hoist the trophy in your backyard. It's a fucking embarrassment. Uh, Davey Mack, could you even enjoy that game last night? No, I thought that game was a snooze fest. Um, I tell you what, if Pennsylvania is the state of champions, Florida is the state of losers. After what the Rays pulled against the Phillies, and now this team laid down, five-game series each. That's really true. So you know what, Florida... Maybe it's time to join, you know, Cuba, and so that we can annex Puerto Rico for their good athletes. Enough with the annexing Puerto Rico. They're too far away. I don't think a state has to leave the union over some sports losses. But seriously, Fezzy, don't go to the goddamn finals if you don't want to be there. Let's give us something. You know, ne you never. Uh, yes, we wanted LeBron in there. We wanted to take a little gander. Uh, by the way, Phil Jackson, the X Men. Malcolm X Jr. Is he the greatest coach of all time? Not just basketball. He's proven he's the greatest basketball coach. 
But what other coach can go walking around with 10 championships? Is there anybody else, Dave? John Wooden for college. That's college. What, and I, I totally agree. Phil Jackson got down to the professional level, which to me is a lot harder than college sports. Well, particularly back then when not everybody was interested right. <laughs> in having a basketball team. Right. You it know, was, yeah. if it happened now it was in, in college, we'd be fucking freaked out. But we'd be saying the same thing about pro sports if it wasn't for that big, lanky son of a bitch, Phil Jackson, who never seems like he gets upset. And does it. If he goes for another one, it'll be one for the big toe. And you never hear that in sports. Well, let's be honest about this. He had Michael. And then he had, you know, Shaq and LeBron. But don't act like he was the only people who've ever had great fucking players. No one else picked up a championship with Michael. You can sit here and debate the fact... Oh, God, look at that Iranian, those bastards in the fucking street. They are going nuts in Iran right now, Fezzi. Thank God no one listened to you, and those people don't have nukes. Do you understand now that's not a stable environment? Well, I understand there's a lot of unrest from this election that went on. No matter what happens, you can't be a maniac. Those people are not ready for nukes, particularly with their religion. Which, you know, suicide is in their Lord's Prayer. <laughs> maybe if they had Phil Jackson as their president, maybe then they could get their shit together. Well, he is rocking the X hat, which, thank God, ladies and gentlemen, we've taken the X back from Malcolm X. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Phil X. He said his family made that hat for him. Yeah, right. And his family's marketing that right now. <laughs> I mean, they could probably afford to buy a gift. Just seemed like the hat was professionally made, I, you know, unless his family works for a clothing store. Joe, Joe and PA, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, buddy. Uh, Mighty Bond, you got Shaq going to Cleveland, no longer uh, imminent anymore. I'm talking about him going to Cleveland with uh, LeBron. Does but, it really uh, matter, though? I mean, let's face it. Shaq is uh, a couple years uh, a little too ripe. He's past due. He's not the thing that's going to change things for LeBron. Yeah, and uh, Shaq, to me, is he's a 20-minute-a-game player now. Well, that's because he's, you know, he's beat up he's his, old. his old gigantic body. You just don't understand that a person that has Shaq's size would normally have health problems. Right. Then add that to the fact that he's running up and down a hardwood floor <laughs> for 15 straight years. His body's not going to uh, keep it together anymore. Wouldn't he just be going to Cleveland in time for LeBron to leave? Uh, we'll have to say that. My the, the point was that was going to change everything. Yeah. If suddenly they build a championship around uh, LeBron, um, let's go over to Steve. Steve, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, Ronnie? Actually, uh, I got an easy bump for today, and uh, it's concerning the U- the Confederations Cup game today between Italy USA. The big story of the day is that. The most talented American-born soccer player of all time, Giuseppe Rossi, who plays in Spain for Villarreal, is actually playing for Italy in this game against the United States. And it's a huge, uh, it's a huge sub-story to the big story, which is the game itself. Now, I'm not even familiar with this. Now, why is he playing for Italy? He's playing for Italy because he grew up in New Jersey. His father was an Italian immigrant, and his father's a huge Italy fan. He probably grew up watching the Italian league. And I'm going to assume if I had any soccer talent at all, I'd probably play for Italy, too. It's just you grow up watching the Italian national team, and you have a sense of pride 
any other sport, I would probably, I would always root for the United States. But in, in soccer, I always root for Italy over the United States. It's just, it's just the way I was brought up. Then here's the thing: the way you were brought up is anti-American, and I'd like to turn over you and the entire Geppetto family to the FBI. <laughs> One twenty today. Uh, we start off this uh, Confederation Cup. Uh, and our first two games are, like, ridiculous. I'm not even sure uh, how long, how quick it is before you can get beat out of this. But we're going to need uh, we're gonna need a fucking miracle just even to uh, hang in. And let me just say this. You cheer for the United States of America. Okay? That's what you do. This is your country. And this kid's father moved here? That's where you fucking are now. You don't move here, take all the benefits about being an American, and then start cheering against us. It's just not right. It's awful. It's like cheering against your fucking, uh, your mom or your dad. It's just insane. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 120, I got to have that game on today. As uh, the, U- the U.S. upsets uh, Italy. That's the Radio Psychic. Radio Psychic. Radio Psychic. All right, now I'm hearing 2.30 is the game. On ESPN. Not even ESPN, too? On main ESPN. Oh, very nice. Coming up in the world. Yeah, things are starting to happen. Oh, it's a great time to watch sports. Uh, Brian, Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Hey, Zero Fez. I got Nietzsche Bound for you for the only sport that matters. Yes, go ahead. Uh, uh, Boston Red Sox take two of three from the Phillies over the weekend and show the Tampa Bay Rays how it should have been done. Well, they take two out of three. They actually were going to have a sweep until that seventh fucking inning. Oh, and, uh, one bad inning, Ron. Yeah, yeah, Philadelphia exploded. But uh, hopefully, my friend, uh, that'll be the World Series we're looking at. See you in October, Ronnie. See you then. <laughs> I'll see you in October because uh, I just don't see the Philadelphia Phillies ever losing uh, another game from this point on. I think they're going to, you know, they got that out of their system over the weekend. Right. I see them just tagging together the rest of every game this year and then sweeping through the series. So I you, might be a little optimistic. Well, then based on that, you would be looking at a 137-25 and 25 record yeah, for be, the Phillies. Be a very strong uh, year for us. Right. That's 111-12 games over 500. That's never been done. Fantastic. Well, the thing is, too, we... Uh, we're just, what I hate about it is the Mets are laying down and uh, we're just breezing along. You know, drop two out of three and just find yourself still moving up. Yeah, they're horrible. Did you see that? <laughs> I've never seen a game end on a high pop, a missed high pop. I've seen plenty of grounders, Buckner, and all that. But a high pop? And particularly. You know, all the time in the world. Even when he squeezed it out of his hand, he looked up and saw it in the air again. You know what I mean? Like, it looked like he could have just flicked his wrist and came down and picked it up. Uh, that had to be one of the lowest moments, I think, in Met history, to drop that to the Yankees. I, I, and I'm shocked that the Mets just didn't say, you know what, thanks, but you, you, you can't be here anymore. How is this guy not going to be able, how is he going to be able to play in front of his home fans? This is, if they treated Buckner badly, this is Yankees-Mets. This is the opening game of the series. To drop a fucking high pop when you had A-Rod out, you, you're, you're about to win a great comeback. Oh, that's, he's, he's the worst.
Uh, Brandon, Brandon, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Rob. Yeah. Well, what can I do for you, Brandon? Uh, I, uh, in the spirit of movie Monday, I want to say that my brother dragged me to Manhattan on Saturday, and we went and saw the movie Moon. And what'd you think of it? It was great. Uh, yeah, I'm hearing really, really uh, good things about this movie. I was off to see it. And ended up uh, going to see The Hangover instead. <laughs> now, I'm sitting there, I'm watching The Hangover, and this is now the number one movie in the country um, for uh, two weeks. And I honestly say, you and your drunk friends could have written this movie. <laughs> but I'm sitting there, and I'm... Is it a good movie? Obviously not. But there are jokes, and there's funny jokes. Every summer has the summer kind of... Uh, drunk, gross-out movie. Oh, you see the guy's dick. Oh, someone puked in someone's asshole. Isn't that gross? It's every fucking summer, forever. So this is this year's. And um, I'm laughing at some of the jokes uh, Zach Galifianakis says. And my chick leans over and goes, Well, no one can call you a movie snob. So, uh, A... Uh, we're at the fucking film that we all said we'd go. B, the fact that I'm enjoying it, <laughs> don't make me feel stupid for it. Are these stupid jokes? Yes. These are stupid jokes. Is this a film that makes sense? No. Is it a film that uh, we'll be talking about in a year or two? No. But we went to the film. Don't make me fucking feel bad for looking uh, at a guy who uh, got knocked over and his ass is in someone else's face. <laughs> I get that well, this is not sophisticated humor. Have you seen it yet, Dave? No, I haven't. I want to. Based on that review, I'm definitely there. Uh, it's, you know, wait to cable. I'm going <laughs> to tell you the truth. Wait to cable. You've seen it. I hate when people rain on someone's parade. When I, I was at Bruce Almighty with my brother. Rain or piss? Piss on okay, it. Okay, thank you. And my brother, just because he works for the Telluride Film Festival, we're, we're both at Bruce Almighty. Right, you're already there. Let me enjoy Mr. Carey acting like God. I was having a great time. And he was just, oh, God. I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't as direct as, as I was you, getting the same. Chick. I was getting the same kind of stuff, though. Oh, yeah, Jesus just Christ. the size. Well, we knew. Hold we've seen in. the trailer. We knew what we were going to. We knew it's garbage. So what? Uh, coming up a little later on in the show... We will uh, do in the Ranafez Movie Club where we will give our uh, reviews to an old movie and see if they still hand up. This one, Sling Blade. Fez, did you watch it? Yes, I did watch Sling Blade this weekend. All right, so he, uh, you were the only person who hadn't seen it on the team? I think so, yeah. So we will come back and uh, talk about that a little later on in the show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Look at these fucking Iranian maniacs. Maniacs, they're like ants in the street, and they will not fucking stop. They go out of their mind. Fez. Yes. Can you at least turn around on one thing in your life, and it's that these bastards should have nukes? Maybe this government shouldn't have nuclear power, but I don't see where the United States should say who can power their country with nuclear power or not. Because you see what would be happening with that over there right now? The fucking mobs would be attacked. They don't have control of their fucking country. And if those animals start running into the nuke plants, we're fucked. 
we would be fucked. Because when they screw up, we all do. That's what I can't stand about the world. How can something fucking stupid have happen on the other side of the world and it affects us? We can't fucking settle down for a second. We cannot calm down. Um, Doug, you're on the Ron and Fez show. What can we do for you? Hey, dudes. Yeah. I got an itchy bump for you, kind of changing gears. What do you got? Apparently, the Obama family now now very, very good friends with that old bag, the Queen of England. Give me a break. Uh, you don't like them getting along with other countries? Well, I, I don't think that's such a bad thing. I think it's great, but I, I just don't buy it. I mean, well, how's the Queen of England getting along with these, these two brown people? She's never even seen one before. Um, so you honestly think that the that race is the number one thing for the world? No, no, I don't think that at all. I just don't think that. I think it's played out there. It's getting put on a platter. They're trying to display something that, uh, you know, the old wretchedy English are are reaching out and, and, hey, they're our good buddies now. And isn't it kind of great that they happen to be... Uh, Doug, I don't know whether you've kept up, but really since the Revolutionary War stuff, War of 1812, <laughs> they've been our good buddies. Uh, they were our only uh, friends, really, uh, going into Iraq. Uh Tony Blair rode his fucking career down into the fucking dirt uh, and never turned his back on us, even though the country got mad. The There's no reason for the queen not to get along with the, uh, 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 with, with the Obamas. It's uh, ridiculous to even to bring it up that it's based on color. Ken in Connecticut, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, bodies. Yeah, buddy. Um, a lot of the stuff, it's hard to get on just like the regular news, but uh, if you look into it, the, a lot of the marching and stuff is because the Iran police have been killing college students who have been protesting, breaking down doors. I mean, like, you look around and there are the pictures, and it's, it's some seriously fucked up shit. They are fucked up and have been since the Shah of Iran. The Shah of Iran was a terrible fucking person, but he kept his fucking knee on the necks of those bastards. Since then, we haven't had a fucking comfortable day. Uh, I was reading over the weekend that they even cut off all telephones in the entire country where you yeah. couldn't even hit a landline. And they arrested the one of the opposition. It's fucking, it's crazy over there. And you know that if they had any kind of uh, nuclear power, uh, they would just be throwing plutonium around at each other. They would be just whacking each other in the back with it. Uh, I hope this is a wake-up call for you, Fez. Yeah, I really do. Or if you still weren't turning around on it, I know that this new Fez thing is a gimmick. And that you were just doing the heel turn. No, it's, it's not a gimmick. I honestly felt that way when I, I said you, it. I need you to swear to God that you still think it's a, a good idea. I swear to God. That you think it would be a good idea for those fucking bastards now, that plutonium. Well, if, if they could get themselves under control. They can't. They're fucking maniacs. Maybe this is just what this country needs. Maybe if they want to change their form of government, they're on their way to starting it. Uh, Carl in Ohio. Carl. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fez. Yeah. Beachy Bond. What do you got for me, buddy? John Daly is the guppy troop of golf. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's go over here to Birmingham. It's Lance. Lance, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, how are you doing, Ron? Good, buddy. Um, I got... Five confirmed cases of the swine flu at Shenango Forts Middle School. It's uh, a little north of Bingham. 
So how the hell would I get way up there? I, uh, I guess uh, they had a class trip to some theme park or something like that. Where, Kenya? <laughs> no, 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 up in New York. In yeah. But where the hell are you... Uh... Where the hell are you off to with this stuff? It's insane. It's insane that this keeps going down. It's weird because now we hear about it less than we did when it was just in Mexico. Daniel, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Yeah, I got an Ichiban button for you, Ronnie. What do you got? Uh, Jimmy Fallon on Friday night had a game show on a show called Do the Right Bing. Blatant ripoff of the Ron and Fez hit, search, search, hurry up and search. You know what I think happened is that Opie starts shooting his mouth off over there. I think uh, uh, Opie was just um, going, hey, Jimmy, we had such a, a great time on your show. Here's a little bit of Ron and Fez's I want you to turn around and run with. Uh, the Bing thing seems to be big right away. Uh, yeah, uh, I read in the post over the weekend that the, one of the head guys at Google is personally looking into their shit. They seem to be fucking worried about it. Yeah, they, well, you know, Google has had a nice run at the top. And now it's time for uh, everything that they love to bite them in the ass. Because you don't get a long run of success in America anymore. Everything turns around. Well, Bing's doing the right thing with uh, a goofy name for a search engine. Starts with Yahoo, goes into Google. If you're going to make it as a search engine, make sure you have a goofy name to go along with it. Um, next one should be Fez. Fez it. Do me a favor and try to fez it. Uh, Garth, in Indiana, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hi, buddies. Hey, hey Fez, uh, I think you're crazy for wanting to let the Iranians have plutonium. Don't you remember on Back to the Future when they uh, tried to kill Doc Brown? This Middle East thing is never going to get fucking straightened out. I would love if we could uh, simply build a wall around it. Look at, Brazil, look at Brazil and Egypt. I'm telling you, this new cup, USA's got to uh, blow up here. I would love to see us move up in this thing. I would love to see us do well. We're taking on Italy today. In a crushing upset for the Italians. Little Team USA. The little team that couldn't is going all the way and taking the Confederation Cup. And then we will be dancing in the streets of Binghamton, New York, home of the middle uh, school swine flu. Uh, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Now, he's talking about that hangover uh, comedy. I never know why it is that every year we always have the one comedy that rakes in a ton of money, and it really doesn't seem that different from the other comedies. I think the ones that end up raking it in are the guy fantasy ones. But there are plenty of those. They come out, they put out 12 of them a year. Uh -huh. Only one of them jumps out there. Only one of those uh, gross-out things uh, seems to make it. And what happens is you got to catch people in their time up because now uh, they turn their back on the people that they liked for a while. The Will Ferrell, everyone has uh, turned their back on. Um, they've uh, turned their back on. Who was the kid that did Unmasked with us that was in... Uh, Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen, yeah. He was the hot hand for a while. Now people are like, so tired of Seth Rogen. He didn't do anything. Why are you Googling his ass? Why are you just turning on him? 
And the Jim Carrey comedies don't seem to show up anymore. Well, those are, you know, that was the early 90s was his time, Fezzi. That was Lollapalooza when he had the gross-out comedies. Since then, he's tried to uh, move it up a little bit, become a little more sophisticated. Uh, Eddie Murphy used to have that thing. His movie came out over the weekend, made $5 million. Now, Eddie, in the meantime, somehow made 40 on the same movie that made five. I don't know how this math works. Um, John, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Javon, guys. What do you say, buddy? Kirk Pines, Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, we talked about that uh, very first uh, phone call. Pittsburgh, is it the new city of uh, champions, Fez? Oh, it's got to be. You can't argue with it. How can you be a city of champions when you do not have a basketball team? And let's face it, do not have a baseball team. So how can they be? Uh, Davey Mack, let me ask you this. If you're not a forced uh, sports city, can you be a city of champions? I think you can, um, especially if you can get three championships. I think three teams mean city of championships. I also think... Well, they're not going to get three. But they have a shot if if the Pirates come up. Come on. What year is it, 79? (laughs) But you know what? They have zero interest in baseball. In that town. I felt a little bit bad, too, uh, for Panic in Detroit. This was a team that could have uh, taken this Stanley Cup, as meaningless as it is, and hoisted that above their heads and felt good about themselves. Yeah, they end up losing Game 7 in Detroit. Now, I saw three kinds of fans. I watched the end of that thing. Three kinds of fans. There was the people that stuck around and booed at the Stanley Cup presentation. There were the ones that just walked out. And then there was ones that were, like, snapping photos and getting into, you know, the MVP being named. Like, they were, because they were, like, standing there watching history. And I'm thinking, I would have to be one of the ones that just walked out. I wouldn't even want to see that Stanley Cup on the ice if that was in my hometown. I let's suppose you you, you went to see the Bucks in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, and they lose uh, the Super Bowl. You don't stand around and watch the MVP get announced for your other team. You don't watch that at all. Nope, nope. I'm not going to stand there and boo the winners, but I am getting the hell out of there. I don't want any part of it. Let them have their fun. I'm done with it. What do you think, David? I think you stick around because you use it as motivation um, for next year. For instance, Kobe Bryant stuck around and watched the Celtics celebrate. Now, he's obviously a player, not a fan. He used it as motivation. If you watch the bitterness, then when you win the championship, it feels that much more glorious. Mm. Yeah, and no matter way, which way you uh, cut it, uh, you just got nothing left there. Uh, Doug, Doug, you're on the run. There's no winning, there's no winning uh, way to act. Doug, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron P. Hey, Zero Fez. Um, I was uh, going to say, number one sports city has to be Boston. You got the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Red Sox. The Bruins, eh. But, uh, yeah, definitely Boston. You certainly were the city of champions up until uh, what happened in the Super Bowl. And that dropped uh... it up. You have another run to recapture the crown, but you can't call yourself the city of champions now. Because it's been a little while um, uh, since the uh, since you guys have had a championship. It's been a year uh, in anything. They're the close, so, but no cigar city. Well, I mean, they got their cigars. They just haven't got them in the last year. They had three uh, 
football championships, one basketball, and two uh, uh, baseball. So if you're looking at whose decade this was, it's definitely Boston's. They got their cigars. It's just in this past year they haven't picked up anything. Here is Cyrus in L.A. Hello. What's going on, man? I want to make a comment. You know, you know, you know, they're they're not stupid, man. They got to make nukes. You know, they're going to make weapons so they don't get taken over. You know, Cyrus, you uh, them, why don't, don't you restart the conversation? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we were sitting here talking about Boston. What's on your mind out there in Los Angeles, California? Man, I just want to make a comment. You know, Iran is not stupid. You know, with the whole um, enriching uranium, you know, to make nuclear weapons. You know. Yeah, they say it's for something else, but they're not stupid, you know. How come Iran can't have nuclear weapons? And if they do have nuclear weapons, they get a seat. They get a seat in NATO, you know. Well, and that's just the way it works, you know. They, uh, we're, so we're are you are you Iranian, yes, uh, Cyrus? Yeah. So you are American. Say- American first, always. I understand. So Fez but, Watley says they just want the the nukes for uh, powering protection. up their. Uh, Brand new that's cable bullshit. TV system. You're saying as an Iranian, for, uh, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. You know, they're going to have one weapon. Yeah. You know, they're going to want to protect themselves. The government doesn't need it. The people need it. You know, because who, who knows? America doesn't go on there and try to take the oil like they did before. Yes. You this know, is you know. why we cannot, Fezzi, under any circumstances, uh, let these guys have anything more than pointed sticks. Uh is but see, the fair? people are civilized. You can't say, you know, the people, the government is fucked up. Um, you know? No. And the people need to start, out, start a revolution. And that's, we need another one. And that's, that's, and that's what it needs. You guys can have revolutions all you want. What I don't want is you bringing that shit over here. I don't well, want you fucking okay, moving what outside. Have heard, what, what have you ever heard of Iran's doing anything? Uh, well, there was a little thing where you grabbed all of our fucking people. Okay. Over there. Yeah, but... The, and but I, I guess what, Cyrus? I ain't forgot they, they that put, shit. They put Khomeini because they put Khomeini there in in power. And they, well, guess what? They let all the blacks and all the women go, and they kept all the white people. That's bullshit. And that's, and that's that, what they did. That's fucking absolute bullshit. There were Spanish people involved in that. People they, of color. And, you talking about, about when they had the fifty something hostages? Yeah. And Cyrus, let me tell you something. I'm not real big on people snatching white people. We're the original Aryans. How can you say that? What, no. what the fuck? The original, you think I'm going to see? So, so we're not considered white anymore. So, how do you figure? Yeah, you really do. You really how do, do you come off as a guy who uh, puts America first. Fezzi, here's what I want to do. You love Don't Iran so what? much, like this fucking Cyrus. Go over there and see how quick before they don't fucking skin you and start barbecuing you. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six. Ron Zero Fez. Here is Frank in New York. Frank, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, a great team. Needs to have two of the same sports. New York has two baseball, two hockey, two football. No, no other city has that. No, no other city has it. But it also makes me wonder, what if they only had one in each? Would they be able to focus better? Dave, has that ever gotten into your mind at all, that perhaps... The city of New York really hasn't focused enough on one team in each sport. It does, especially as a Yankees and Giants fan who feels like the Mets and Jets are a little bit, you know, third rate, kind of. And not only that, but even in your own backyard, even when you win the championship, 
you still have people in your own town disagreeing with exactly. you. Exactly, and it, it, it definitely um, waters down the fan base. It does. And I wish that everyone got united with the... See, the great thing, after 9-11, when everyone was rooting for the Yankees against the Diamondbacks, and even Yankee fans were rooting for the Mets, that showed how powerful New York sports fans could be. I wish we, it was always like that. So why don't, I think they should you just... You wish we were always attacked by terrorists. <laughs> No, I didn't mean well, that. Well, if Fez and Cyrus have their way, we'll get that way. Right. We'll snatch every white person in the world. I know. That's the way Fez and Cyrus think. That's not the way, you know, we think. Though. I don't want to kidnap white people. Uh, Corey in Tennessee. Corey, you're on running Fez. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Um, I was just going to say, as wrong as it was to take the hostages, I mean, it wasn't completely justified. The U.S. installed a very corrupt Shah in, you know, in Iran and to... And the U.S. just looks the other way. So, I mean, not to put the U.S. down, but it's not, you know, a completely ridiculous thing. I Corey, mean, we would have done the same thing, too. I noticed this. Everybody in the fucking world hates us. Then everybody in the world expects us to do the right thing for them. Why don't do you ever see us here in the United States blaming our fucking problems on somebody else? We fucking literally try to get shit done. Do this stuff yourself. Uh, do it yourself. I want no part of anything in the Middle East. I'd like for us to stay out of it fucking completely. Jesse, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Jesse, hey there. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That fucker Cyrus says that Iranians love women and they never did anything to the women. Well, a couple years ago, a shot was fired from the inside of the Iranian embassy in London, and it killed a policewoman out on the street. And then motherfuckers just stonewalled it. They never caught who did it. So tell me how much they love women, Cyrus, you cocksucker. Um, look how they treat their own women over there. They fucking wrap their own women up in a goddamn old musty army blanket, make them walking around in 110-degree heat. Oh, I know what these fucking advanced people need. Nukes. Uh, here is, uh, here's our old pal Tom in Madison. Tom, you're on the Run and Face show. Hey, buddy. Happy, happy weekends, buddy. Um, yeah. you know, these fucking Iranians, I mean, thank God Israel is with us because Israel won't fuck around with this shit. I mean, they, they are our buddies in the area for religion or for whatever reason, for profit, for money, for support, whatever it is. They won't mess around with these Iranians. The minute this stuff even gets close to production, they'll do the same thing they did before, fly their F-16s and bomb the shit out of them, send them back another 10 years. So, you know, go ahead, let them keep poking. This time, though, the world is behind what the U.S. Is, is, has been pushing is don't let the maniacs enrich uranium. It's, it's, a, it's an insane situation. I wish I could just, for once in my entire life, turn on the TV and not see jack shit about the fucking Middle East on there. We should be talking about Kobe picking up his fourth. And I wish Kobe would come out with a rap song saying, Shaq's how, how's my ass smell? Shaq had his fucking song. Everybody loved it. You know, we all picked Shaq over fucking Kobe. Well, now maybe Shaq was... Uh, uh, Completely wrong. Vegas, you're on Fez. Hey, good morning, buddy. How yeah. you doing? Uh, Ronnie B., you said it a minute ago, man. Uh, need to just leave the Iranians alone. Just let them solve their own bullshit for a little while. Uh, specifically, there's a big generational gap. A lot of the younger kids want a more America style over there. Well, I'm just... looking at the riot police beating on uh, some younger people. 
uh, and this one guy had, was wearing a belly shirt and a studded belt. And he looks like the kind of uh, Iranian that you see at a bad fucking 80s night somewhere. So, yeah, there is. But the fact of the matter is, do we... Do we not? Do we always fucking have to be involved with these uh, pricks? Uh, and Fez wants to give them nukes. If they could be responsible, they can't. And th- the thing that you're saying, if you could do that, Obama said the same thing. Uh-huh. He just said you can't have them now. Your point was he wanted you wanted them to have it now, a week or two ago. Well, yeah, it was like well, my point is, why? Who are we to say who can and have? Can and can't have what in the in the world? So it just seems arrogant on our part. So everybody that wants to have nuclear missiles can have them. Not nuclear missiles. Well, why not? You just said we can't decide who has what. Why can't everybody? We have them, right? Uh huh. Why can't everybody have them? Because they can't be. Uh, not everyone can be responsible with nuclear weapons. Well, exactly what I fucking said to you. We can't trust these bastards with fucking plutonium. Period. Uh, here's, uh, Rich. Rich, you're on the Run of Fez show. You gotta pick an angle here, buddy. You're on my side. You just don't even realize it yet. Rich, go ahead. Hey, Fez, would you give a three-year-old a butcher knife if he wanted it? No, I wouldn't. Um, um what I was gonna say about Iran is, uh, during the elections in Iran recently, they just had a couple of women on TV who were saying how they got put in jail for wearing Western-style clothing. And, uh, also from spending, my, uh, spending time in Baghdad, I know that they execute homosexuals in Iran, which is why they say that they have no homosexuals in Iran. Yeah. It's very easy to say you have no homosexuals when you fucking get rid of them. Uh, Sean, Sean, you're on the run of face. Uh, Hey, buddy. I just want to, uh, look, I I understand they probably shouldn't have nukes and such, but I think we're going a little too hard line uh, on Iran as a whole. I think, I mean, that's a huge student population there that's very liberal. And just like... You know, their government portrays that country as shit, just like, you know, Bush did for us of the world for, you know, however long. So I think we've got to take perspective here and give them the students a chance to uprise and see what they're really made of. I mean, I, I think we're just kind of general. I agree with you. I fucking, I, I think that we should just be sitting back and watching this whole thing. My only difference was uh, two weeks ago, Fez wanted them to have plutonium. Aren't you glad now, while they're fucking rioting and burning shit and doing all this, there's not some fucking plan over there ready to melt down. Not a bunch of fucking people trying to hit as many buttons as they fucking can and create a fucking hole in the earth. Uh, here's Pat in Tampa. Hey, Pat, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yes, sir. Could the Tampa Bay area be considered uh, a city of champions? And here's why. Uh, first, the Tampa Bay Bucks. We all know about that. But then you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who technically were the Stanley Cup champions for two years in a row. Yeah, you're going back what six, seven fucking years now. Yeah, yeah, they they, they had a very they had a one year window where they made a little run of things. They I remember seeing the signs in Tampa where they called it the City of Champions, and they threw in that Arena Bowl championship as well with the Tampa Bay Storm. Well, I think you got to look at majors. You got to just you know you have to have the majors. Now the other thing that Tampa always works out. There's always some tennis player living down that way because the weather's warm and you can play tennis. And uh, there's always a wrestler. Uh, here is uh, Frank. Frank in Indiana, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, guys? Yeah. 
Hey, man, uh, you know, I, I watched those guys rioting, and uh, why can't we just fucking drop a bomb right there in the middle of it and take care of all those fucking towel heads? I mean, I don't know the difference. The towel head, the towel head, right? Mm, Frank, there's such a thing as going too far. I just want the people, I just wish that I, there could be a time in my fucking life. And, you know, if not, that my children's or grandchildren's life. Just sometime in the foreseeable future where every fucking day I don't have to see something crazy going on in the Middle East. I just don't want to fucking deal with it on a daily basis. I'd much rather be sitting around uh, talking about the sports weekend that we had. I'd be rather be talking about, is it time for USA Soccer to take it up a notch? I would like to see our government put another six, seven billion dollars a year into making sure we end up winning some fucking soccer games. Um, here, um, here's uh, Gray. Gray, you're on the Run and Fez show. What's up, Run and Fez? What do you got? I was just going to remind Fez that speaking of responsibility and nuclear weapons, we're the only nation on Earth that's ever dropped one on another country. So what's your point? So uh, that is my point, that even if other nations do have nuclear weapons, we're the, we're the only ones that have ever actually used them. Yeah, let's try to keep that record. That's where we want to fucking be. The only country in the history of the fucking world that's ever dropped a nuke. That's exactly where we want to be. Just like if we were having a poker game, right? Uh-huh. And everybody was drinking. And there was one gun in the room. Whose pocket would you want that gun to be in? My own. That's what we're fucking trying to say here. You wouldn't be going, you know what? I wish everybody had a gun. They're just as drunk as me. Um, here is uh, Punch. Punch, you're on the Run of Fez show. You know, Iran is a perfect example of why religion needs to stay completely the fuck out of politics and government. This is a perfect example why this place is so crazy, because they base their entire society on made-up religions, whether it's the fucking Koran or the Bible or whatever. It's, it's insanity. Uh, I can't fight you on it, brother. It's an insane fucking world. Uh, Jack, Jack, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I want to know why Feds has always been so anti-gun and nobody should have a gun because nobody can be trusted with a gun. But, sure, give Iran nuclear weapons, you know, because as long as they're good, you know, it should be okay. What the fuck's up with that? I never said give Iran nuclear weapons. Never. I would like to see all the nuclear weapons in the world gone. That would be great if we got rid of all of them, every country, us and Russia and everybody else. It's a small world after all. You know what I would love, Fuzzy? What's that? If we could all treat each other with love and not hate. I seriously, I would like to see the next time uh, we fight a war with cotton candy. I'd like it if hunger was solved. I would too. I, want, I would like it if homosexuals could get married. All right, someone just wrote, I would like it if Fez could stop saying nuke you lar. He has an accent. He's a fucking southerner. So what? We already know this.
It happens. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. Uh, here's a thing I saw over the weekend, Fez. It goes back to your anti-gun, anti-hunting thing and the way you felt about deer. I want you to see a documentary called Food Inc., okay? Okay. And you will definitely, I believe, at the end of this, change your mind about uh, hunting. Well, and why, why do you say that? Well, because you're a meat eater. Uh-huh. And when you see what a deer life is like compared to a cow, a chicken, or a pig. Uh-huh. I mean, if there is any... You see hunting as some kind of cruelty. Right. Because it happens in a way that you can see it. But the fact of what we do with our fucking food, uh, what chemicals we uh, uh, fill it with, and what their life is like, you might only want wild game after this. Really? Mm -hmm. It's that bad? It, uh, uh, for me, it was somewhat shocking. Does it show the slaughterhouses and all that crazy bullshit? Slaughterhouses is, is the least of our problems. Really? It's the way those things live their entire life. That chickens, uh, most of them now are only on the earth like seven weeks. And they are just fucking pumped full of stuff. They can't even stand up because they're, th the food that they eat and the chemicals that it's in them causes their weight to balloon so quickly. They never see the light of day. Chickens uh -huh. will not see light the entire time they're alive. The amount of them that die is why they're in these fucking chicken rooms that are just giant, filled every inch with chickens just on top of each other. It was uh, somewhat fucking surprising. And I'm not saying that as a, oh, I love chickens and I want them to be pets. Uh -huh. I'm just saying it in terms of we probably are not eating what could really go back to being called food, the way our grandparents called something food. Uh, and our ancestors called something food. We're just eating these fucking deformed genetic freaks now. Uh, it was bizarre. But uh, while I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, a deer has a good life. You know, a deer gets to live life the way nature intended. And if the, at the very end of that life, uh, they're picked off by a predator... Then again, that is what their life was supposed to be like. But what happens to fucking farm animals now? And the fact of uh, of how far we are from old-fashioned farming. You know, it's really just complete factories at this point. It was a very wild fucking thing to see. And I saw this downtown, uh, and the director was there. Was a, every single showing of this was sold out. And the people were really willing to stand in line to see a lot of the stuff. Well, stuff like this is huge. Like that Fast Food Nation book came out, and that was incredibly big by like Eric Schlosser, I think. Well, it was tied in with him and his other book, which is like Arnivores or something like that. Uh, he was interviewed in it. But, you know, the weirdest thing is like these chickens. And even if you get back into looking at uh, a lot of uh, vegetables and fruits and stuff. We have changed what that food is so fucking much 
that it's just really, really bizarre. Well, it's literally all steroids, right? They're pumping into these animals and just chemicals. They're pumping into anything that isn't an animal. Yeah. Just to make it taste what we think is good. Well, taste isn't it. It's just to make it bigger. It's just to make it more. If anything, we've lost more taste. I brought this up before uh, that the uh, watermelon does not taste the same as when I was a little kid. There was so much more flavor in a fresh melon, a fresh cantaloupe. Um, but so many of these things are pumped full of steroids and antibiotics. Uh, and then all that stuff, as we eat it, we're eating steroids and antibiotics. But to get back to the original thing that we talked about on this show, your thing about deer uh-huh. and how, you know, why can't somebody who eats a deer just go eat a steak as if that was a more humane act? It's so far from it. Now, having said that, I left there and went and had a turkey club. I'm not going to lie to you. I said double down the bacon. For some reason, it didn't even slightly change the way I was, uh, I was eating. But, no, I actually would uh, like to find... Um, well, Dave, doesn't your chick have a friend who has uh, a farm with, like, grass-fed steak and all that? Yes, uh, her friend Chip has a farm in uh, upstate New York that's all grass-fed cows. I was down... Um, they do something at Union Square at the farmer's market, and I saw his label down there. Yeah, he does. he's trying to get it off the ground and distribute it, you know. Well, it's off the ground, brother. I mean, yeah, I, there's I, a lot of people staying in line to buy this. Yeah. But I guess it's a lot more expensive to get that kind of steak. Yes, it is. And it's very expensive to even, you know, do that type of farming. Yeah. So really it does come down to... Uh, um, yeah, it did. I went out for a fucking uh, bloody rare steak that night, too. That's true. I went to Wolfgang's down in Tribeca. Fucking unbelievable. My dad cooked the steaks last night. He fucked the hell out of them. Why? I'm never... I'm never I, I told him I'll, I'll grill from now on. They were all burnt on the outside and then totally non-cooked in the middle. Because he doesn't know how to fucking take care of his heat. <laughs> so what's Sounds like on? he microwaved them. He used to be a great grill, but, you know, he's getting 70 years old now, and his grilling slipped like Shaq's basketball skills. Uh, here is um, Jeremy. Jeremy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, Ron. Hi, Fez. Yeah. Hey, uh, the reason they, we do that with the farm animals anymore is because uh, everybody wants everything cheap and easy to, you know, easy. So right. that's why everything's uh, manufactured instead of the old way. And uh, that's the only way uh, farmers can still afford to do it. Is they got to do it quantity, not quality. The other thing that surprised me, I didn't know that these uh, farmers kind of turned themselves over to one company now. That yeah, they're almost like franchisees rather than a than an entrepreneur type business. Yeah, the the hogs and the chickens. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. But some cattle still more of an independent. But there are a lot of them that are, you know, big corporations. Uh, also with uh, soy. There was uh, this one corporation is basically taking care of all the soybeans. I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to all this stuff. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting though. Uh, here's Tim. Tim, you're on Run Fez. Hey, buddies. I saw the movie, and based on seeing the cows up to their knees and shit for their whole lives, I can never eat meat again. Um. Well, what if you went to a grass-fed place? I don't know. 
I, the only way I would is if, like, what you you were saying, if if I saw if it was a deer that I saw killed right in front of me. Yeah. That's See, the that's only the way. thing, Fezzy. Exactly what you were, were what you were bitching at hunters for for being inhumane. Right. Is the most humane thing that I've seen so far, and I literally was thinking of you doing this. I was thinking about the fact of everything that you thought was cruel and violent. It's almost just the opposite. Well, I will check this out. Was there a lot of people walking out on this film? No. Once they got in there? No. Why would they walk out? If it was, like, too intense to take. No, this isn't a fucking slasher film. It's a film that wants to open up some debate about what food is and uh, what we eat and, you know, why we do it. And I I added the thing that I thought that 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 the killing uh, wild animals uh, by hunters seems to be way more humane because they get to live uh, a life. And I wanted to have this uh, conversation with you today. Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back just real quick to your point about, like, food not tasting the same as it did even, like, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Go over to Europe now, have just, like, a plain old tomato or whatever. It, it's a... It's a completely different flavor. You know, people think, oh, it's the cooking. It's it's the style of Italian or French cooking or whatever. But their ingredients actually taste like basil or taste like tomatoes or, or meats or whatever, where what we have is so bland and crappy now. Um, I, it would be interesting to uh, – and I, I really um, – I really am interested in trying some of both. And I wouldn't even mind doing it side by side. Just to see, um, you know, what it would taste like. Um, Just to see how far off we are. Uh, Here's John. John, you're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, Ron and Fed. I just want to thank you guys for uh, giving me a heads up on that science festival. Took my kids, had a great time. Great, great time. Glad to hear Um, it. Yeah, um, the other thing was uh, do you think there's an actual, like, uh, food shortage being that uh, the uh, urban sprawl out into the rural areas? And if this com- country ever had to go back to the olden times, they wouldn't be able to survive. Well, it's an amazing uh, feat when you see how much more we get out of the ground than we used to. Uh, like in the last uh, 20, 30 years, maybe even 40 years, of how much more uh, food comes out of any given na- uh any given acre, it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, but, and, and I really think the whole thing of food shortage has got to be pretty on the edge, no matter how well the world is going. You would still think there's so many people in the world uh, that a little bit of bad weather or something or some kind of financial crisis could turn this whole fucking thing on its side. Easy enough. You would think, uh, though, that we would run out of cows. There would be a cow shortage since they can only have one at a time and we're, you know, kind of mass produce, you know, mass slaughtering them to get meat in the supermarkets. What do you mean? Well, it just seems like it's such a quick process of, like you said, well, with the chickens, you said, you know, they only get to be seven weeks old. Well, the, the, the cows aren't, again, they're being raised factory style the same way. Um, and they say one of the the worst things of all for the vegan people, and they didn't say this in the movie, but other people, is just like the eggs. 
that the that the chickens that have eggs really don't come outside of any cage their entire uh, existence. Uh, here's uh, Manny in New Jersey. Manny, you're on Hey, Ron. He said, listen, the, the big problem with the fruits and vegetables, especially with their color, their consistency, their size, their taste, is that nothing's being left to fully, completely ripen right. anymore. Because that's to take into consideration shipping, storage, shelf life. That's why when you go buy bananas, they're green and hard. That's especially why heads of lettuce. Heads of lettuce used to be twice as big. Now they're a lot smaller because they let them grow till they're just ready, and then they pack them up and ship them out. So nothing ever really gets to the point um, where it should be. Of maturity. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, take anything, any fruit, like you said, with the watermelons. The watermelons especially, they grow them so fast by injecting them with, with you know, chemicals and hormones to get them to grow faster. But in, by growing faster, they're not allowed to really get all the sugars built up in the growing process. And, of course, so, too, you know, everything is available all the time. It used to be like, particularly June, I always remember, uh, was strawberry season. And, oh, we're going right. to Jersey. We're going to pick up a crate of strawberries. Well, most strawberries now, especially in the wintertime, all come from Costa Rica. And there, they've really grown fast and hard. To get them, and that's why they really, in the wintertime, a strawberry in the wintertime tastes completely different than a strawberry you may even get local. Like here in Jersey, you can get strawberries and tomatoes yeah. from a corner, you know, from a roadside uh, vendor, and it tastes completely different because it's coming right off the farm and it's full ripe. And you go to a supermarket, it's not like the old days, like in New York where I grew up, where you can go to the corner uh, fruit stand and right. get the most incredible tasting fruit. Now those guys, you see everything piled up high. What is it, Fairway in Manhattan? You got fruit piled all the way up to the second story of the building. Yeah, it's all, just... all the time. You know, it's crazy. All right, thanks a lot. Here is Case in Delaware. Case, you're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, one of the main reasons people complain about the taste of vegetables and everything now, I, I farm some and I also work as a consultant in the vegetable industry. Um, they don't want any kind of blemish on their fruit or their vegetable. Right. You know, God forbid your tomato has a little, has a little bruise on it, it's a little off color. So we have to pick the stuff when it's still hard as a rock and it's just starting to bruise, or it's just starting to ripen, excuse me, so that we can send it to market and it ripens on the way to market. So, um, so the point is you're, you're kind of even uh, blaming the consumers for not knowing what good real fruit is. Oh, 100%. I mean, I grow stuff in my garden for my family. If a tomato's got a, you know, a bruise on it or a black spot on it, I cut it off and throw that in the trash. It actually goes in a compost pile. But, it, you know, my tomatoes that I eat on my table are ten times as good as what you're going to get in the supermarket right. because I can, I can deal with a little, uh, you know, a scar or a blemish. You'd be amazed. I mean, it would boggle your mind of how much, how many vegetables, how many fruits, get thrown away because they have, you know, like a, have a small scar on them from, you know, say a peach rubbing on a branch or a, well, a tomato rubbing against the plant. That's the funny thing. Right? You go now to to the supermarket and you get this big, dark red apple that looks like, oh, my God, look at this apple. But it tastes like nothing. It tastes like it tastes fucking like plastic. Um, same with the oranges. These big, fat, seedless oranges with no taste. You want those little fucking discolored oranges that you used to get. 
Oh I'm, yeah, there's a there's a variety called Honey Bell. I'm sure you know about it down mm. in Florida. It's they're horrible looking. I mean, yeah. they're off color. They've got scars, but it is the best thing you ever put in your mouth. Yeah, and they look the like they have an Audi belly button. Yeah, they do. They're they're horrendously ugly, but. The growers understand that the people that know about honeybells will pay the money because it's a it's a wonderful tasting fruit. It right. may not look perfect, but it tastes great. And it's the same thing with you know with tomatoes, with you know all of this stuff. You'd be amazed. Uh, a grower we work with just had to had to cut down a whole field because it had some you know the edges of the of the leaves were discolored and the people didn't want them. You know they couldn't sell it because it didn't look perfect. But it would have tasted just fine. You know, it's it's a lot of this is it's the consumers are driving this that they don't want something that doesn't look like it came right out of a out of a seed catalog. And there goes back to, you know, uh, the the consumer no longer knows what good is. It's oh, really, yeah, that's... really embarrassment. All right, thanks. All right, here well, is uh, Chip. Chip has the uh, the uh, grass fed beef. Uh, and he's, I believe, in, uh, I think, in upstate New York. Uh, Chip, how you doing, buddy? Good. How you guys doing? Uh, tell us a little bit about why you got into uh, raising your 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 cattle like old school. Well, my my father-in-law actually started the farm um, just as a uh, a regular standard business, and he was doing regular uh, seed stock, you know, just breeding the cows and selling them. And he read um, a book by Michael Pollan called The Omnivore's Dilemma, right. which really changed his life. And uh, he passed it on to me. And, you know, I remember hearing you talk about going to farmer's markets and, 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 and you know, getting oranges that look different what you were just talking about with the last caller. Right. And uh, it really, you know, kind of piqued our interest. Um, one of the other things was a, uh, a friend of my father-in-law's has uh, two autistic children, and he wanted to, uh, if he could ensure that these cows were fed only grass and not corn. Apparently there's some properties that, uh, that, that change in the uh, cattle that are, uh, it's not, you know, scientific fact yet, but they're, they're proving to uh, show improvement in autistic children. So uh, it's really a health benefit, you know. I mean, it's, you know, you can have a steak and have the same omega-3 fatty acid properties as wild, you know. I mean, so someone who's got a heart condition, to be able to, you know, versus cutting red meat out of your diet to now say, this could actually be good for you, you know, is, is an amazing thing. So what's the downside, Chip? It's going to be more expensive, right? That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty much it, you know, mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's an interesting thing because, you know, our country, we, the average American, spends a lower percentage on their food than just about every other civilized country in the world, you know, right. which, which is amazing to me because we're always looking for, you know, the cheap fix, the quick meal, the quick answer, but we just don't care about what's going into our body. We'd yeah. rather put, you know, uh, 97 in our, our uh, um, sports car than, and, and, but yet put crap into our bodies, you right. know, which is, makes no sense to me, you know. We do really expect a dollar meal in this country, which is kind of bizarre when you think about it because what exactly uh, are you getting? Um, all right, Chip. I'd love to have you on the on the show one day and and talk about this some more. And I've I've seen the stuff down in Union Square that your that your family has. It's a family yeah. business. Yeah, we're in uh, we're in Union Square and on uh, Saturdays. We're also uh, in the Carroll Gardens Green Market on uh, Sundays and up by the Museum of Natural History on Sundays as well. So uh, it's called Grays and Angus Acres. Uh, 
We do grass-fed and finished, very important, grass-fed and finished uh, black Angus. We do uh, pasture-raised chicken and eggs. It's, uh, you have a website? Uh, www.grazingangusacres.com. That's grazing without a G on the end of it. All right, grazing without a, a G. Uh, and we'll try to put a link up on ronfez.net for that. Thanks a lot, Chip. I, like to... I really appreciate it, guys. All right, peace. i like to some people just to... Um... To to check some of this stuff out. Here's uh, Tom. Tom, you're on the Ron Fest show. This is Tom in Kansas City. Oh, hey, Ron. Hey, here in the middle of America, we're the flyover people, and the 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 advantage is um, we can buy a cow, which I did this year, and it's grass raised, and it's awesome, and it's about two dollars and twenty five cents a pound between the hamburger and the steaks and the t bones and everything. Mm-hmm. And the disadvantage is I, I, I can't get food ink. I'm going to have to go dig around. I got to get on the internet to get anything good and all the cultural stuff you guys talk about. Right. I got I got to fish for. Well, but the- what I love about it is this this steak is the best steak you'll ever eat. And the, the magic thing is, you know, I feel better about the way I'm feeding my kids. And I read Michael Pollan's latest book and the you know, previous caller Chip references or omnivore book the latest one in defense of food is right on and i read that and it would transform me it, yeah. it, it he explains how you know don't eat anything that has more than five ingredients don't eat anything that your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize and i'm like that is exactly it so i try and buy farmer's market stuff i you know i bought the beef and i'm telling you it's just the best you can have and i don't think there's any you know i used i went vegetarian for about two years right and, it, you know, my cholesterol went down, things were good, and I'm not a big guy or anything, but I thought, well, that's a healthy way to go. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, you know, i got kids. i got three kids now, and it's like, what are, what are they eating? It's all crap. And Pollen makes this great argument. He says, look, you know, all this stuff on the inside of your grocery store is basically not food. It's, it's processed chemicals. You know, anything that can sit on a shelf for a year really isn't food. It's a food product. And I think that if everybody started, and, and, and about the price, you know, Chip mentioned, yeah, it's more expensive. But the great argument is, look, if we all started doing this, the price goes down. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, we talk about this. When the consumers get involved, normally the, con- the corporations will follow suit because they're only really trying to make a buck. And if they go, this is what the people want, they'll adjust their companies to make that work. Here's uh, JR in Oklahoma. JR, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to let you know, down here in Oklahoma, our cows, they bend their head down to the ground and they eat grass. They go over to the lake or pond and they drink water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you can get more natural than that. But let's get, aside, get away from that for a second. My grandfather turns 90 years old this week okay he's been raising cattle his whole life those cows get better treatment than probably a a lot of people in america okay you have a a baby calf that turns up with the shits or scours as we call it okay you go out there and bottle feed that calf Uh, but here's the thing jr how do i know i'm getting my food from you and not you know if i'm just in the supermarket right there doesn't right. seem to be, um, you know, a lot of branding on steaks the way there is on cereal or whatever. It's hard right. to have any kind of brand loyalty when you're in a supermarket. Right. Well, that's, that's where the problem comes in because, like the guy was saying, our steaks, we butcher our own cattle and fill our deep freezes and eat 
yourself ill on steak and burger and, and ribeyes, T-bones, and, and everything else. And it, you can't go to any restaurant and get that quality of beef. It, mm-hmm. You just can't do it. But the problem is, if you want to be one of these certified organic and all this crap like these, you know, these tree-hugging people, there's so many hoops that you have to jump through. It's, no, it's I agree. I think, there, I think there's a, a big difference in wanting quality stuff than being, you know, a fucking hippie. Because uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I, um, when I ate a craft steak, I thought it was very fucking interesting, uh, A, that the grass-fed steak tasted different from the corn, and he had both, uh, but then he also let you know exactly where it came from, what fucking ranch this stuff came in, when it was done. I thought it was very interesting to see, and I can't get that at my house. I can't get the same steak that they're uh, able to uh, uh, get there. It Here's, seems like it, it seems like it would be even harder with the fruits and vegetables because they can make an apple look really ripe, even if it's not, you know. It, but it's fake if it's artificial from the way they grew it. How do you tell then? Well, then we just talked about this. What you think looks ripe isn't ripe. Mm-hmm. You already have the wrong uh, tools before you even get there. That you really want to be turned off by an apple that looks too fucking good because it's like looking at a fucking piece of plastic. Uh, Eric, you're on a fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, uh, I actually have a customer who grows hay and sells it all over the world, and we go and pick up truckloads of it. And he's also an outfitter, does his own game processing. And I have to call him two months ahead of time and order what I want, and he gets me all grass-fed uh, cows and sheep, uh, chickens, pork, everything that's all you know fed naturally. And, of course, I have to drive four and a half hours to go pick right. it up from him, but it's already frozen and ready to go. And it's a world of difference in terms of the quality. And I'll tell you, Fezzy, I'm going to I'm gonna email Dave and get your guys' mailing address, and I'm going to ship you guys some elk steaks. And right. you, you'll be amazed at the quality and how good an elk is. Elk steaks are in comparison to, like, regular beef. All right, I'm going to put you on hold right now. I'm going to eat a goddamn elk steak. Uh, let's go over here to, uh, let's go to Fuzz in Michigan. Fuzz, you're on the run of Fez show. What's up, Ron? Yeah. Hey, man, uh, that's a, that's a, you got a wide open topic here. And, I mean, there's so many little, first of all, the elk steak, you're going to fucking love it. It's just probably, uh, not going to be as marbled as, uh, our cows and our fat as our cows and so forth. So it may be a little bit on the, the, the rough side as far as gaming, but um, to talk about, you know, I, I don't have the luxury of Jr. of growing my cow out back and chopping him up and throwing him in the freezer. So my point is, for us guys that are out on the road eating these uh, quick shops, you know, the subways and so forth, why can't I find a red fucking tomato? I mean, they got 15 stacks of tomatoes inside there, and there's not one fucking red tomato in there. You, it, it, you know what is really funny about that, Fuzz, is that we haven't fucking flipped out over that. That we kind of let the food change on us without just fucking losing it. But I, I can honestly say that my mother, um, you know, grew up in a time where you didn't eat food out of fucking season. Like, you didn't get oranges all year long. You didn't get tomatoes all year long. 
And for some reason now, we go into these uh, fucking supermarkets, we don't have a season for anything. No one will ever say to you, hey, the fucking avocado is in. The fu-. And this is what kills me, because I fucking love avocado. I can't get it in a, a, a anywhere that I know uh-huh. in fucking town. But I was over at the... Uh, this Mexican restaurant over on 59 is like Mexicana Rosa or something. You ever hear about it? Oh, yeah. And they come over. They make the guava uh, uh, right at your fucking um, table, the guacamole. And I'm like, well, this is fucking. You're getting your fucking avocado somewhere I'm not, brother. You know, this is a fucking ripoff because this shit was through the roof. So I don't, you know, you really do have to put work into it. If you want to really eat well, if you really want to eat good, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, most of us aren't paying attention to that. I, I certainly have it my whole life. Phil in Arkansas, you're on the Run of Fez show. Whoops, lost you, buddy. Uh, let's go to Colin. Colin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Oh, buddies. Yeah. Yeah, just to dovetail off that guy that was talking about how um, how the consumers drive the market. Um, my spies are everywhere, and in the Pacific Northwest, untold piles of salmon and tuna either get donated or completely thrown away because on, on the boats, after they catch them, they freeze them, and sometimes they split. Perfectly good salmon, chucked because it has a split in it. All right, thanks so really man. Frightening. Here's Al in Iowa. Al, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hi, Ronnie. Yeah. The, uh, I'm a major pork producer in Iowa, and, and the heat that we're taking because of modern practices that we have now, uh, it just absolutely amazes me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the reason we do what we do is, is directly because of what the consumer demands. Right. Uh, and we're talking about these lean animals, and, and, you know, and all of a sudden they're demanding that we put some of our animals back outside that we've got taken into confinements. And, and if we could just educate the consumer that... Uh, you, you've demanded some lean cuts of meat, and that's exactly what we're delivering. Well, we genetically had to modify these animals to do that, and, and the way we did that was eliminated back fat. So that when we say, I mean, all of a sudden we get a, an animal that we is, is a different genetic makeup that's been raised outside in a lot, uh, and, and we say that pork chop tasted so much better, well, there's probably a lot to that just because we got a little bit of fat on it. I'd like uh, to know but, how to eliminate back fat. And the, the, down, the downsides, or the downside to doing that is, is when we raise an animal outside, we have parasites and we have worms and we have that kind of stuff that we just don't deal with today that we did through the mid-'80s when we moved all these animals inside. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I, before people jump on uh, saying that we're doing something wrong by modern practices, I just I wish I wish we could do as an industry we could do a better job on educating people on what we're doing. Well, it, and, yeah, it really you know, and I I will agree with you a hundred percent. I don't think there has been enough interest. You know what I'm saying? Like the the too often things came up and we just want to point fingers and blame uh, you know, and we normally blame major corporations. But to yeah, go back absolutely. to back to what you're saying. You get what you ask for. And when you ask for uh, a dollar meal, you're going to fucking get uh, a dollar meal. If that's all you're willing to pay for your fucking meal, you're going to get it. And, I mean, one of the things that they showed is that the breasts of a chicken are so much bigger. 
just gigantically bigger. And it really comes back to people want white meat. For some reason, we got it in our head, white meat's the best tasting of all chicken. I just want white meat. So they just fucking literally expanded the amount of white meat that a, that a chicken has. And they do that through steroids. Now, in the meantime, as they're making the chicken's breast so much larger, go look at a third-grade girl and what her fucking tits look like today. They're growing breasts at an incredibly early, early age. Girls are having their periods at 9, 10 years old. And it's because of the stuff that we're filling them with the same stuff that we're uh, filling the fucking chickens with. Now, here's the weird thing. When you go out to eat chicken, you think, like, you're making a healthy choice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's you're eating a, a bunch of steroids. Here is uh, Eric in California. You're on the Ron and Fez show. All right. So, so here's the deal. You've got a really broad topic, and, and a lot of what the issue is is that we're at a point where there's three hundred and six, uh, there's three, uh, sorry, three hundred million, six hundred thousand people in the country, and you have two uh, less than two percent of those people raising the food for right. those three hundred million, and. Uh, when, when we're looking at things like steroids and hormones, why don't we, instead of, instead of referring, thinking of those as bad things, let's look at those as technology, something like a television, something like, a, something like I don't know, just a computer or something like that. Okay. Look at that as a, as a biotech, as a biotech tool, instead of something to be afraid of that we don't understand. Now, when you say that girls are, are, are developing faster because of hormones in our food, Let's look at let's look at diabetics. Can a diabetic person drink their insulin um, um, to to regulate their, their bodies? And and the answer to that is no. And that's because hormones are, are composed of amino acids, and amino acids are broken down. So so your uh, your point that the, the food that we're getting now is just as healthy as it's ever been. Am I saying that? Absolutely not. Absolutely, okay. absolutely not. When I go into a grocery store and I see all these prepackaged foods. It's it's horrible and disgusting and absolutely unhealthy. However, do I think that we need? And you you complain, you worry about cancers, you worry about stuff like that. The average lifespan of a human being at this point in the world, and largely it's due to medicine. But but when we worry about cancers, we're living to ages now that are that are so much farther than anybody you right. know. 60, 70 years ago could have imagined. That, that All right, so so give us your point before I wrap you up, Eric. My, my point is that, that we need to understand the technology before we hear the word hormone and, oh. and get terrified by it. But but I'm not going about I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to go completely on taste, completely on taste, and you can't tell me that fruits and vegetables taste as good as they used to. It's just not fucking true. And I'm just going by that on my own. That for some reason we're fucking bypassing what used to be really important to us. I mean, we're eating fucking three times a day. And I'm not, I'm not getting around to how a cow should be treated or how a, uh, a chicken should be treated or a deer for that matter. Quite frankly, I have very little interest in that area. I mean, should we be as humane as possible? Probably. But that's not my fucking point here. I'd like to have the best fucking meal I can. I don't think that's asking too much. That's before I get around to acting like a fucking, you know, a steak should have the same rights as a fucking kid. I'm not, I'm not one of those people, but I'd like to sit down and eat some great fucking fruits and vegetables. I don't think that's asking all that much. 
I like to just know where I can get it from. I'm not trying to even say that every kid out there should get it. But he, this is one of the more interesting things. Fezzi, this is what I learned. Who's the number one buyer of meat in this country? I would say um, women buy meat for their homes, um, for no, the families. Who, who purchases the most meat? It's McDonald's. McDonald's purchases the most meat. They also purchase the most potatoes. And they want their uh, hamburgers to always taste the same. So they're, they're more or less, because they purchase so much, setting up a, a basic thing of this is the way we want things to run, and then the, the rest of us fall into that. Are like half the, is there a significant amount of their, their burger meat soy? I don't know about that. I always, I always heard that, like, you know, it's half fucking soy or some shit, that the actual meat. See, I don't know. But here's something I came up with. If you eat a burger, right, how many cows does that come from? I would guess one. You're off by about 999. They just grind this stuff up. And that's when, like, the E. coli or whatever spreads is why it can end up all over the place. Because it's just not one, one, one fucking bad cow could get up. And be involved in this whole big crate of it, in this big burger thing. That part grossed me out a little bit. I don't know why. That's got me a little buckled right now. It seems like I would just like to have my burger from one cow. And there's no real fucking reason for it. Just the thought grosses me out. No, I'm not fucking swinging the axe here and saying this is how I want things to be. I'm saying that uh, I really do think there has to be some kind of of an interest taken into it. Uh, you know, the fact that our our cows eat corn now instead of grass is mainly just set up because it's cheaper to do so. And it fattens them up quicker and they can take them to market quicker. But a cow is supposed to eat grass. Just like a fucking deer, Fizzy. We were talking about this before with the hunters. Mm-hmm. A deer is supposed to have a predator. A deer is not supposed to live on into old age or to be um, trucked out west uh, the way you were talking about before. It would be interesting to have uh, options and information. Some of these people are putting it out there. All right. Uh, that's it for us. When we come back. Uh, let's go movie club. Uh, we're going to be talking about Sling Blade, the movie that we all said we'd watch over the weekend. It's the Run Fest show. I got a new tune that's in compositions entitled The Thrill. And never mind the man who contemplates doing away with license plates. He stands alone anyhow, baking the cookies his content by the heat of the contraband. Leaving his soul off the water of the medulla oblongata of yeah, it's around the Fez show. Oh, my girl. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Around the Fez Movie Club every Monday. We said we'd talk about Sling Blade. So we all watched it over the weekend. Gave you the opportunity to watch... Eight six six run zero fez. Fezzy, you're the only one. 
uh, I think, of the whole team that have never seen Sling Blade before. What did you think of it? I love this thing, this thing blade. Um, I thought... I saw. I lo- always look at the runtime on a DVD before I watch it, and I'm like, "All right, two and a half hours." That made me a little bit nervous. This thing flew by for me. I was loving this thing. The only thing that I that kind of annoyed me in it was there wasn't like a lot of. There was, it seemed like too many characters just got monologues where they just went off, and the other character just kind of sat there. You know where it was. Um, Eastside Dave, you're a uh, fan of this? I love this movie. Dwight Yoakam should have been nominated. Let's just say this about Dwight Yoakam. He's the original Kenny Powers. <laughs> this thing was, it should have been called the Dwight Yoakam story. It was ridiculous as the part of Doyle. Uh, I'm afraid of... That Doyle's no good. <laughs> I'm afraid of midgets and antique furniture. Well, you know what's really uh, base, uh, funny is that's Billy Bob's personality. He's the guy who can't oh. eat around antique uh, furniture retards. Oh, I didn't know that. But, yeah, Doyle was hysterical with some of that stuff. Is um, She knows that I'm against uh, gay people, and so her best friend's one. <laughs> then I don't like retards and naughty kids. She's got one of each. And he's one of the great villains of all time. All time. In that movie. And... That band sequence, I would put One that... One of the funniest fucking things in against history. Against any comedy, and I'd put that against any independent film, including a Pulp Fiction or a True Romance. That entire sequence of him in the band talking to his then friends, drinking beers, is ridiculous. It was fucking phenomenal in the fact that they set up the, the fucking porch with Christmas lights <laughs> as some kind of a light show. <laughs> and then... They just get on this one riff and keep fucking Over. slamming back and forth. Who was the little kid? What else has he gone on to do? Actually, I know. He did the... Yeah, I looked it up, too. Uh, he did um, a Fast and Furious 2 Tokyo Drift. But, That's his, his scene? Well, he, he, he was the quarterback in Friday Night Lights. And uh, so that movie, I thought, you know, he was really the star of that film. Yeah. I'm talking about the movie, not the, uh, the TV right. show. And the, that kid... Has a great arm. That's why he was. Remember when he's throwing the beer bottles at Doyle? Oh man, he was fucking <laughs> whipping those things. He was really amazing. I'm like Jesus yeah. Christ, and the beer bottles were exploding. Now I know they can rig them, but still. But this is the beauty of that too. It's when you try to teach a kid to throw with his body, throw with your legs, not with your arms. You know what I mean? That kid was whipping those fucking. I know bottles. it was amazing. I was like, no wonder he grew up to be the quarterback in Friday Night Lights. Uh, and who would have thought that the guy from Three's Company? <laughs> Uh, who uh, always played the uh, the gay guy we're not supposed to believe is gay, Jack Tripper. Could have fucking nailed it. He was hysterical. He reminded me of another gay guy who, no matter what the conversation is, it always comes back to a gay person has it hardest of all, no matter what went down. He was fantastic. I didn't understand, though, why the retarded killer and the gay guy had the craziest haircuts. In the movie. I honestly think that was just like an Arkansas or Texas thing. I really didn't think uh, it was supposed to be set up. I mean, I guess uh, Sling Blade, I call it a Kaiser Blade, was supposed to look uh, batshit fucking crazy. I got an email, too, from somebody who was watching the movie going, why did uh, Doyle lay down and take it? What was your uh, reasoning there? Um, I don't think that Doyle really thought he was going to do it. And because here's why. at the Right before he hits him, he goes, Carl? 
Right. So I think that Doyle was just like, bring it on, motherfucker. No, See, there's no here's, way. Here's the thing about Doyle's fucking uh, personality that I really love. He was so narcissistic that he really didn't know there was any feelings other than his own. So if he felt good about something, he thought everybody felt good about it. Yeah. If he felt badly, he thought there's nothing but this fucking bad feeling. So I agree with you. I just didn't think he thought anybody was going to hurt fucking Doyle. Here's uh, David in Tennessee. David, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron and Fez. Yeah, my favorite part of that movie, it's a very subtle, it may have been an ad lib, is when Morris calls John Ritter's character his level-headed friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those guys were the those guys were modern day, you know, Abbott Costello. Yeah, those two and him reading the poem. We just played the rejoinder. That whole poem is so fucking weird. It is really strange. But it makes it's sense. David, it's David Lynch crazy though. But it His makes friends sense. Yeah. All belong in a fucking uh, David uh, Lynch film. Here's Jim. Jim, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, Ron. I was wanted to tell you there, that kid was also in a show called Jarhead, where he played a marine over in Iraq. Was it a movie? Yeah, yeah, it's called. Oh, that's the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Yeah, yeah, he plays a, a major I, when part. When you said show, I thought maybe there was a TV show. No, it's the the movie. And then also, if you ever get a chance, there's a short of this movie called "They Call Me Sling Blade." Yeah, I have yeah. seen that. Yeah, the, the 15 minute short or whatever that the Con Festival was based on, right. uh, with Molly Ringwald in it, and I, that's where the movie come from. But I appreciate eight six six Ron Zero Fez, eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Paul, Paul, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I wanted to comment on how good, you know, I always thought he was a great actor. J.T. Walsh did at the Amazing. end. His, his, his character was awesome. From being in a mental institution, he nailed that. Yeah, and everything else he does is really good. It's too bad he's gone now, but... Grifters uh, was yeah. my favorite thing that J.T. Uh, Walsh was ever in. Uh, fantastic fucking film. And didn't he, he recently die? Yeah, he's yeah, dead. a few years ago. I think he had a heart attack. I didn't think he? it was more than that. I think he died in, like, 98. Really? That long yeah. ago? Yeah. Because I, re I remember The Negotiator being, like, his last movie that he was in. But he was, he's just an all-time great creep. Yeah, he is. You know, just a haunting, like, delivery, the way he speaks. He was even good in one... He was the best part of one good... Uh, a few good men. Yeah, that everything that he was in, he was the... Yeah. Um the film that you do, the um, Nick Nolte. Oh, Blue Chips! He's happy! Blue Chips. Yeah. And what was the film <laughs> where um, everything's in black and white and then... Uh, uh, Spider-Man comes and brings color there. He oh, was Pleasantville. Uh, yeah, he was fucking amazing in that, too. Yeah. Uh, here is uh, Ed. Ed and Phil, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Yo, Ronnie B. What can Yo. we do for you? We lost you, brother. Uh, Joe in Atlanta, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, what's up, fellas? Um, that guy who's doing the poetry, his name's Colonel Bruce Hampton. He is a staple down here in Atlanta. Um, he used to be with a band called the Aquarium Rescue Unit, mm -hmm. jam band that does all kinds of just really, really whacked out strange music. And he was with the Hampton Grease Band back in the 60s, too. I appreciate it. Here's John in Maine. John, you're on Fez. Yeah, best line in Sling Blade is when he's on the phone. Yes, ma'am. I'm right sure of it. I hit him two good whacks with it. That second one just plumb near split his head in two. Mm -hmm. uh, I also love the amount of mustard uh, <laughs> that Carl would use 
No matter what it was on, biscuits, French fried potatoes. <laughs> yeah. You got any French fried potatoes in there. Mm. And Jim Jarmusch was the first guy he went to. Jim Jarmusch, for no apparent reason, <laughs> no reason is at selling all. French fried potatoes. But I always felt, you know what I love, too, is the, his um, lawnmower, his boss, Bill Cox. Yeah. And I caught on with Bill Cox's yeah. outfit. What outfit? It's you and Scooter. That's no fucking outfit. And to me, and Bill Cox was also the guy in um, who was the he, he ran the the auto store that Duvall worked in in the Apostle, right? And, and there's a lot of Apostle like crossover well, weirdness. Well, it was independent stuff. Uh, Billy Bob went over and did the Apostle exactly for Duvall. Duvall did that very strange uh, little part here. So yeah, there is this. It's like the, they're like in the same universe to me. They always have been. I always feel like their characters could cross over and be in the same fucking movie. Well, see, that's a weird thing. When you think about movies, are they watching the same movies we watch or the movies we watch happening somewhere else in their universe? Right. Is there a movie <laughs> universe or... Because um, you'll never hear them bring up, you know. I was fucking, uh, I watched Forrest Gump last night. <laughs> you fucking talk like him. No one goes out of their way to act like, what are you, you're like a fucking worse version of Forrest Gump. Um, here is um, uh, Chester. You're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, uh, I wanted to comment on uh, the Sling Blade. The last thing that anybody ever said to Carl was Carl. Like uh, the kid's mom said Carl. Everybody said Carl. The last thing the gay guy said Carl, and then uh, Doyle said Carl. Team Wolf's dad never said to him. Everybody, the last thing they said to him was Carl. I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I think the, it is. That's in the trivia. And I what about T.T. Walsh? Yeah, that's that's what he they said, said Carl too. Okay, I thought Check he was out. just. Like, I did not notice this. That's weird. Uh, Smith in Minnesota, you're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, I think Dwight Yoakam uh, at the end came to accept the fact that he's a fucking scumbag. I mean, he tells Carl to, to ask for a hearse, and you know, when he calls the police, tells him 911. I mean, I think he knows it's coming, just like Carl knows that's who he is. Dwight Yoakam knows that's who he is. So that fate is everybody's meeting their fate at the same time. Yeah, the, the, the kid has to accept the fact that his dad is gone, that the mom has to accept the fact who she is. Right. Dwight knows he's been a scumbag. He's, it's time for him to fucking die. Uh, John Ritter has to accept who he is. I mean, it's the whole, the whole thing is everyone just coming to terms with they can't change who they are. Well, if you really look around, uh, Carl went around and talked to everybody and either gave them things or gave them instructions. And no one ever said, Carl, what are you fucking thinking? Carl, don't do something crazy. Right. You know what I mean? Here's this guy they know is slow-witted. They know can be adjusted. But no one takes the time to stop him on this. They look scared about it. They look nervous. But nobody thinks, Carl, what are you up to here? When yeah. he showed up in the bedroom with the hammer in his hand, that scared the hell out of me. That looked like it was out of a horror movie with the door opening up and the light behind him. But remember what the uh, the, the mom said to him. Is everything okay, honey? Like he was a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> like he was uh, three or four years old. Um, she had no fear of him whatsoever. And that was, of course, like a foreshadowing with what, what's he doing with that hammer? He would just bring it up, <laughs> but just kind of slightly, not like, 
I think he was going to hit me with that hammer like he was too fucking dense. Right. He said he woke up stop with it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I had totally forgotten that, that ending, too. Like, for some reason, I had in my head that he kind of snuck up on Dwight Yoakam. I didn't know that Dwight Yoakam was just sitting there. Just and Carl was, up. Yeah, it was like, man, oh, man, like, I'm aiming to kill you. Right. And him calling him out. I thought that ending was absolutely amazing. I was blown the fuck away by it. See, I thought uh, Doyle was just too drunk to even move. I don't think so. He's I don't a- think he was that drunk. I think he was yeah. just fucking Doyle. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, because Carl had even said before, Doyle's mean. He could probably, you know, he'll whip my ass. Um, but Doyle didn't put up any uh, fight. Um, here is uh, Rich. Rich, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. I think that um, I don't think he knew he was going to kill him at the end because he does say Carl right before he hits him. Like, yeah, I think he would I... just be sarcastic and just being like, yeah, whatever, do whatever you got to do. But then, because he says, he says Carl, and then he hits him. So I don't think he realized he was going to die. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's our good friend, friend Rorschach. How are you, Rorschach? Hey, guys. Um, yeah, y'all touched on it a little earlier before. My favorite character in the whole movie was Bill Cox uh, for two reasons. One, he told Carl that he needed to get hard candies to pass the time. And that's yeah. <laughs> get yourself a magazine and some hard candies. And then he, and then he locked Carl in there at night, too. Right, yeah. And then later on, he told this joke when they were all sitting around eat, eating lunch, and then later on, Carl just butchered it right. in the kitchen. It was so great, man. Well, the way I had heard the joke years before, it was a black joke. You know what I mean? It was basically a black guy had a big penis. And then yeah. they just turned it into an Oklahoma, I think, yeah, an Arkansas. Arkansas joke. That didn't make any fucking sense <laughs> I, I to me. I didn't get it. All right, guys, thanks. All right, peace. Uh, um, it wouldn't be the Christian thing to keep you locked up in here, and I got your key. That guy and his little buddy Scooter. Yeah, Scooter ain't done nothing. <laughs> Scooter is not, fuck, was just, Scooter that's the fucking thing. Retarded. A fucking guy comes in, a retarded guy is better than Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> what does that make Scooter? He didn't. He couldn't check the lawnmower for gas in it. And yet, Scooter also didn't feel like I got to start hauling ass. I got Carl breathing down my <laughs> neck. He knew that he was going to stay with Bill Cox's outfit, <laughs> just because that's the way it was. Um, and uh, here's the other deal there too. I think is that Carl uh, brought back potted meats. In a way that uh, I don't think would have been done. <laughs> Here's Jason in California. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. How you guys doing? Good. The thing I need, I don't understand about the movie is Doyle needed to be meaner. He wasn't mean enough for him to get sling-bladed right in the head at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Well, there, it's a very good point that you're coming up with. Doyle was an asshole, but I don't think anybody's life was in jeopardy because No, of he Doyle. wasn't even that mean to the kid. Yeah, he was... An asshole, he was slapping people, but he certainly wasn't, you know, um, a murderer. And gave no fucking thing that he was going to be a murderer. And really, would he have killed her if she had left him? No, he would have fucking just got another girlfriend and gotten pissed drunk. First of all, any woman in that town would have wanted Doyle. (laughs) He was a musician. He had his own business. I also love how he'd always make say that Frank, the little boy, was wimpy. He was always like, yeah, I, I hate these. I hate little wimpy kids. Yeah. It's like, he, he's 10. <laughs> well, at one, point, one point he said he was jealous. 
You know, I'm just jealous of you right. and your mom. Yo, yeah. And he's like, and you, you don't got no bills, Frank. What you got to be nervous about? And the kid's father shot himself in the face. That's what. And well, then just have fun, you family of freaks, as he's taking off. Here is uh, Jason in Arkansas. Jason. I was going to say it really built uh, leading up to that scene where uh, he didn't think he was going to kill him. Like Ritter and the kid both had also had that same thing where they said Carl going into it, but it's almost kind of like they knew Carl was going to do something and didn't try and stop him. Yeah, everybody knew that we were going. It almost had a Donnie Darko feeling about it where everything was coming to this point. And it was almost like the only reason why Carl was let out. He didn't want to be let out. He right. really didn't want to join in life. Um, he was just out to straighten, straighten out this one thing in these people's lives, almost like an angel, and then go back inside uh, where he belonged. Because you had a feeling like those people uh, weren't going to be visiting Carl or checking up on him. <laughs> That everything had just gone back to where it was at the beginning of the movie. And when Carl left that little note that said, you will be happy. I mean, that's as far as his fucking pea brain could take him. You know? Yeah. I can do one fucking thing. And there there was like the point of the, the fucking film about love. You know, we talk about this sometimes on love on our show. People always think love has to be with being love. But Carl was just able to love this kid, love the fucking mom, even come to love the, the gay guy to say, hey, all this works together. These people will be happy. I'll have nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get nothing out of it. So there was a selflessness in him to uh, put things right. Um, here is um, here's Tom. Tom, you're on Running Fest Show. Ronnie B. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have an interesting fact. I'm surprised no one had mentioned before. The uh, the guy, Randy, in the band, The he is actually a well-known musician. It's Ian Moore. Um, he's an Austin guy. You know, I'm from Texas. I'm familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tune like Muddy Jesus. All, all, all buddies of Billy Bob. Everybody that was in the film uh, was a friend of his who came in to help out and do this. Uh, Mark, Mark, you're on Fez. Hey, boys. Mark in Louisiana. What do you got, buddy? Hey, boys. My uh, favorite character on the whole movie was his girlfriend, where she told that horrific story about the funeral parlor uh, at dinner. And then she came to visit. <laughs> I wasn't a fan day. of hers. I really did not think she seemed realistic to me. She also slowed the movie down because she's the one person that if you eliminated her, the movie would have been exactly the same. I'm going to give you somebody else and this is going to kill you. Robert Duvall didn't work for me either. Really? I thought he did. He was just, he looked too clean to be sitting in that dirty house and his mumbling to himself was a little too easy. It didn't seem like he had a life before the scene or after. It seemed completely out of place in the film. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it was too weird. Yeah, and it, it, everything about him, it just looked like an acting exercise, not a real person. And Frank's little girlfriend, that scene of, like, trying to pass off the flowers, I didn't see where that needed to be in there at all. The little boy, when he goes to see the little girl with Sling Blade. Here is uh, Craig. Craig in Oregon, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
going on, buddy? Yeah. I uh, I always kind of gathered that uh, by him taking out Doyle that it was his way of saving his little brother by saving this little boy, you know. Because he always kind of, he said through the movie, you know, that he uh, ought not have done that. Right. And again, I mean, there's real uh, Old Testament stuff. Hey, when you go over the little girl scene. I, I don't remember what Fez is talking about. I, I got, saw that. might have been a director's cut. I, I know. I, I, that's what I watched over the weekend. I don't I, think it was in when I was watching. It wasn't in the I one watched on TV. TV. Oh, yeah. When um, the girl sling blade gives where, Carl the flowers. Where did you get it from? Uh, Best Buy. Yeah, I, I watched it on TV. I, I don't think it, maybe you saw a director's yeah, cut. Yeah, when I was on Flicks. You mean the little boy had a girlfriend? Yeah, there was this little girl oh. that he liked, and she was rich, so the flowers that Carl got from the woman, he tried to go over to her house and give those to oh, her. Oh, wow. I'd never, so that's an interest. I've never heard of that scene before in my Me life. Me neither. That's why we were all staring at you. So, But you didn't think, like, well, I know that you didn't like the Duvall stuff, but I turned up the volume, and his muttering was amazing. Like, he was like, Where, where'd you go? I thought I kicked your head in and killed you. That was 25 years ago. So it was like he was talking to, to Carl. No, he was talking to him. He was, talking, he was just managing things. He wasn't talking to Carl. But he was talking about Carl because he was saying, yeah, I thought I kicked your head in 25 years ago. But that's why it doesn't even make sense. Like, he would not just be focused on that for 25 years, mumbling the same thing. It just seemed like an acting exercise okay. to me. Chris, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, guys. Um, one of the things that, you know, I would think of the aspects of the movie, too, was the fact that, you know, you touched a little bit on it before, is the fact that, you know, Carl's kind of the hero in his own eyes. You know, in the beginning of the movie, he talks about how he killed the neighbor because he thought that his mother was in trouble and then wound up killing her because, you know, he thought he was doing the right thing. And the same thing with, uh, whatever his name is at the end of the movie, you know, so. Yeah, he, he, saw him, he, was, he was kind of the avenging angel exactly. of this thing. And the, uh... The the Bible played a a much bigger part. Mm -hmm. The fact that he would just go over the Bible and said that he only got most of it. You know, most of it he understood. Right. Uh, Jeff in Rhode Island. Hey fellas. Hey, I um I watched the director's cut as well, and uh, the little girl scene that Fez referenced is is short, and I think it was cut uh, smartly because uh, her acting sucked. She was uh, and then I checked on IMDb. She doesn't have any other credit, so. She wasn't very yeah, good. I had never uh -huh. seen the scene. I've seen the movie uh, several times. And it's one of the problems I have with director's cuts. It's just like, it's fucking gone, dude. You didn't put it out that way. Right. You know? Yeah, just like when Coppola tried to give us the director's cut of Apocalypse. And you're like, what? you cut out this French scene for a reason. For a reason, yeah. yeah. So Fez is bringing up... Hey, this scene really slowed things down. We're looking at him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it did slow things down. Well, I, so why put it back in there? I remember the little kid talking about the girl, but that's all I remember. Him saying he was sweet on this girl who was rich, but she wouldn't have anything to do with him because he was poor. So I think that's all you needed. You didn't need an actual scene with the chick. Yeah, right. 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Uh, Going to be moving this thing along now, but uh, thanks a lot for Movie Club. Uh, next Thursday, uh, I want you to come in with some more stuff for uh, Movie Club for uh, next week. Uh, I read later, some people want us to stay with bad movies. Some people want us to do with great movies. I'm not sure where I, want, where I wanted to go. I like the fact that we can go in any direction we want. But every Monday is Movie Club on the Ron and Fez show. Um, and I'm going to throw a little tease out here. It's Monday, and that only means one thing, Fuzzy. 
a new announcement. And every Monday, uh, the new Cougar is put in the Cougar Hall of Fame. So we'll have to check that out. Now, did you see the uh, story about the baseball game, the high school baseball game, where the umpire threw out the entire crowd? I hadn't seen this. Well, the um, uh, some high school baseball game, the uh, umpire decided to throw out the entire crowd. Here's an interesting uh, fucking story. Tommy Z, the man who put together Cougar Hall of Fame, I was reading one of his blogs, I think, over at JR, and he was thrown out of his kid's game for smoking a cigar, <laughs> even though he claims he walked out to right field. And if he's outside... Outside is not enough anymore. Outside is still not far enough away for people. That's totally ridiculous. Here's what I loved. That it sounded like the umpire was treating him like he was going to give the kids cancer. <laughs> I mean, Jim Leland still smokes his, uh, sneaks a cigarette in the dugout. I, if parents want to smoke outside at a baseball game, that should be totally legal. I mean, we, we you can't protect kids from everything. They want to protect kids from every fucking thing in the world. But Even things that don't matter. Then they all grow up to be Todd Mareneviches. You mm -hmm. know, it's like you have to expose them to cigarettes and booze. We don't want to expose our things, our children to anything. I'm going to. I mean, that's uh, I'm going to play by totally different rules. What I like to do is try to expose us, to, uh, the kids, to people like Z-Man. All right, <laughs> let's take a look over here and uh, check out the Z-Man's latest cougar. Who is it, Dave? It's Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. Uh, made it big as Thigh Master. Yeah, speaking of Three's Company, mm -hmm. that's just haunting the show today. So she's today's, she's this week's Cougar Hall of Fame inductee. This is kind of interesting. I noticed that Whackbag uh, likes to run with the Cougar Hall of Fame, but uh, it can't catch on for whatever reason with uh, the RonFez.netters. Now, also, this Cougar Hall of Fame uh, is 62 years young. Which means she's 62 years old. But if you do take a look at her, is this a recent picture? Yeah, this is very, That's very recent. That's a fucking great-looking 62. You can't take anything away from her. She's always had an amazing body. And as, as long as, you know, the face stays intact, That's she's from good. the Thigh Master. Uh, she's only done one thing that I've ever liked her in. Why? And that's American Graffiti. When she was oh, just yeah. a face in the T-Bird. <laughs> Anytime she begins to talk... Uh, I'm gone. I have no time for her. But I guess she does belong in uh, the uh, Cougar Hall of Fame. Here is uh, Mason in West Virginia. How are you, buddy? Hey, pretty good, Ron. Sound like a million bucks. Thank you, my friend. Got thrown out for going whiff at a right fielder uh, that came up to the bat and umpire came over and said, you can't do that, man. These kids are just young. They're just learning. So what do you do, man? The game is teaching them how not to be a winner. Well, what are you doing yelling at kids? Well, that's just what you taught me, Ronnie. As a former, I never, right? I never, I was a very fucking cool little league fucking coach. And I really think, like, the game is for the kids. If the kids want to fucking uh, start riding on the other team or whatever, I get it. But why a grown man needs <laughs> to be yelling at a child is just uh, beyond me. Uh, matter of fact, I got no problem with this umpire throwing everybody out of uh, the place because the umpire 
is the last official who will take control. You don't see it in football. You don't see it in basketball. I guess basketball, if the uh, crowd gets too bad, uh, you know, somebody gets a free, uh, uh, you know, free throw, a technical foul. Right. They'll still technical uh, uh, a game. But an umpire will go up in the fucking stands, even in a major league game. They yeah. do not take shit. They but can this, call a game off, too. This guy's throwing everybody out. I mean, it couldn't Get have been... Get the fuck out! I'm trying to do a game here. It sounds like Barney Fife rounding up the entire town. But he's got to run that game properly, Fez. And do you really need anyone to watch a high school baseball game? No. <laughs> the game does not need defense. And listen, the fans must have had some kind of guilt if they're willing to get rounded up and ejected by one human being. They must have did something <laughs> fucking awful. That, that doesn't sound square to All me. All 100 of them? To throw everybody no, out? No, it's, you know well, what it's, it's yourselves, then, motherfuckers. I'm behind a plate. I don't have time to see what everybody's doing. It sounds like a guy who got some sort of authority, some sort of uniform. Yes, and the, is, the authority is umpire. And is abusing it, is taking his authority too seriously to throw a hundred people out. I'd much rather see him throw out a hundred fucking unruly fans than I would the coach, the pitcher, or one of the fucking players. At least now the game stays intact and all the players out there know that that fucking umpire is in charge. I love this guy. <laughs> Sight unseen. I love his attitude. He's got balls. Yeah, he does. I mean, you have to give him that. Uh, here is uh, Nick. Nick in New York. You're on the Run and Fez show. Afternoon, guys. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a assistant college coach, and last season, one fan on the uh, visiting side was uh, taunting our pitcher. The umpire stopped the game and made every fan from that entire side of the field leave before he would uh, resume play. Did they all walk out? They all single file, grabbed their chairs, and got going. That's Just, hysterical. Uh, the other coach said they had to go or else they would have had to forfeit, so he made them all leave. I like the attitude. Pull some fucking power back in here. Um, Adam, Adam, New Jersey. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. I'm an umpire uh, for softball and baseball. And it's actually, there's no rule that says an umpire can throw a crowd out. They, they could stop a game, but there's no rule. We're not allowed to even talk to the crowd and throw them out. So you're saying you're agreeing with Fez. He went too far. Oh, yeah. Well, there's but, no rule. You're not allowed to. But he could call the game. He can call the game. Yeah. Now, what would you rather do if you're the home team coach? Would you rather see the crowd thrown out or the game gets called? You definitely... uh, I'd rather call the game. You, you'd call the game because you like to call it right by the book. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. you take a lot of shit, I imagine, as a little league umpire these days. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. parents are the worst. The parents are the worst, and they don't realize that somebody has to umpire these games. I have seen the parents go crazy even when an umpire doesn't show up and they ask one of the dads to umpire, then everybody turns on that guy. <laughs> he didn't want to fucking do this, you assholes. He's got jeans and a golf shirt on. Right. Um, here's uh, the Cedar Rapid Psycho. You're on the Run and Fez show. Ronnie, be it as both an honor and a privilege, I'm from Iowa. I heard all about this uh, recently. I'm just thinking, I was saying to my buddies, if you're in the crowd there and the umpire tries to throw out the crowd, wouldn't you just laugh at him initially? You're outnumbering him 100 to 1. 
I guess the only thing that happened is that the home team and the and the coach were saying, please, just everybody leaves, leave. Um, and I got no problem with penalizing the home team if they can't take care of their fans, uh, whether that's calling the game, right. no. technicals, whatever it happens to be. People do not police their own enough. And it used to be, I know on my team, I fucking told the parents, I don't want you yelling at your own fucking kids. You want to yell at them at home, that's up to you. But I, you guys aren't fucking coaching. Right. You know, you had the opportunity to fucking coach this year. You didn't do it. There's only one coach. You got and, the fucking cool guy. And every single league had that one guy who was the exact same coach from Bad News Bears. You know, that asshole with the mustache? Yeah. yeah. Every single one had that. I remember our Never villain. been anywhere that they don't. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's uh, you could see the scarring on the kid taking place. Right. Well, the reality of it is this too: if you're fucking, if you sign yourself up for a coach of a, of a little league team, right? It's not like your boys are any more important than the other boys. You're really coaching both teams, whether you like it or not. Right. So you don't want to start being harsher on the other kids because this is their experience too. Uh, Jason, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah. I spent uh, 10 years in pro hockey, and there's actually a rule where if the fans start getting out of line, you can start penalizing the home team if they start throwing stuff on the ice. Right. And then youth hockey, they put it in. If you have bad parents, you uh, you give them a couple, uh, at least a minute to identify who, whose team he belongs to, and if he has to leave, otherwise you can actually throw the home coach out or the visiting coach, whoever the parent belongs to. Uh, so those people are in charge. Those coaches have to police their own fans. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, here's Steve in Jersey. Steve, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, guys. I'm a little league umpire, and the league I work for actually had to move their bleachers to the outfield because the parents were such maniacs along the dugout that you know, they were fucking maniacs. They, yeah, they are maniacs. And with baseball, you can't escape those those fans. In basketball, you can run to the locker room and get out of there. You've got to walk past these maniacs at the end of the game. Oh, yeah, when you're umpiring? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, your yeah. car's out there with theirs. It's really ridiculous. Uh, and to see the way these people—I mean, let's face it—you're not a little league umpire because you want to get rich. It's not your full-time job. You're giving back to the community, and at that level, or at the pro level, calls are also going to be blown. Also, sometimes the little league umpire will. Uh, make the strike zone bigger to move the game along yeah. and get the kids to get their fucking bat off their shoulder because you don't want to see a kid get walked four or five times a game. If you watch the Little League World Series right now, we're talking good umpires on a national venue. The strike zone's almost the shins to the letters. Fuck knees. Like, the strike zone Little League is gigantic. Well, as well it should be. And that's a good thing is what Swing I'm saying. Swing the fucking bat. Yeah, because you, you don't want people growing up with a good batter's eye. You want we, them to develop that. Right. We went uh, knees to armpits was the fucking, yeah, was, was the fucking uh, rule. And that, uh, you, I mean, if, de- if, if there was a guy lobbing it against you, and, you know, when you, when you lob, it's fucking hard to hit, right? The fucking ump would just tell me when you get up, fucking swing. Stop acting like you're not, you know what I mean? Right. Just fucking swing. You'll hit it. Yeah. Doesn't matter where it is. Um, here is um, here's Mike. Mike, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, buddies. Um, 
See, Ryan, I completely agree with you in the fact that, uh, I mean, I, I umpire both soft pitch, uh, or slow pitch softball and also fast pitch softball or baseball. And I, it's, I do a whole different number of, of leagues and these fucking kids who sit there and watch the ball come in for slow pitch. But that's, that's not the point. The point is I'm making is, um, about the fans, unruly fans. Uh-huh. Well, the rule is, is that, the player or the team is responsible for not only just their players, but they're responsible for their coach, their managers, and their fans. The fans are an extension of the team. And the fans are unruly or, you know, um, disputing or disrupting the game or anything. The umpire has all the authority to eject them from the game. As well they should. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, the umpire has control of the game. If, if the umpire loses control of the game, then it's fucked. Right. And, and you have, I mean, like, I, I've seen personally. I've personally gotten threats uh, in the fucking park a lot by parents because I made a bad call. I mean, I, I, just like you said, we're not. I'm not a fucking professional. I'm not doing this as a job. I do right. this as, you know, meet like pennies and, and nickels and dimes. You know, I just I just do this because I enjoy the game of baseball. And I mean, yeah, I, I admit I have fucked up on some calls before. I admit that, but I'm human. Right. It happens, you know. Uh, here's Sean in Albany. Sean, what do you got, buddy? Hey, Ronnie. Man, parents ruin little league sports more than anything else in the world because they take everything too seriously. We had we had parents beat up an umpire in the parking lot because they thought he was making bad calls. We had a one kid's dad, the kid was a pitcher, who would stand behind the backstop and yell at the kid as he was pitching because <laughs> yeah. he didn't like the way he was pitching. I've seen that shit happen before. And some of these fucking parents are so cocksure that this is the that they've got themselves a pro, right. and you're just like, look around here. You see any palm trees? Your kid ain't fucking turning pro. It doesn't happen. Even we're not in Puerto Rico. Right. Even if there are palm trees, the we're odds. Not, we're not Dominicans. <laughs> well, it seems like those are the parents that should be ejected, not an entire crowd. How can you find them all? You've never been to a place when the whole crowd was going nuts. I know I have. I'd fucking let it before at different fucking games. Yeah. It's not that easy to get a whole fucking crowd get shot and fuck you at somebody. And, I mean, if it happens on the professional level, it should be able to happen in high school. I remember Jimmy Buffett got ejected at a Miami Heat game. He should be fucking ejected from a Jimmy Buffett concert, along with his fans. He parrot should be fucking... Yeah, parrot heads. <laughs> How about fucking dollar heads, you fucking lemming heads? It's a better fucking name for you. Guy wrote four songs in the 70s. You're still following him around. With a fucking Hawaiian shirt on. Guess what? Florida ain't Hawaii. <laughs> Wear a fucking Cuban shirt. Oh, come on. Cheeseburger in paradise. You know? Yes. That's great. There's a big <laughs> difference between Key West. I'm fucking serious, dude. I'll fucking walk. I'll walk this fucking place. Just reading off the ingredients of a cheeseburger. That's a fucking That's awesome. show. So, we put we all, 57 on it. We all drink beer. Hey, how fucking exciting. How fuck? What a pirate you are. You go on cruise ships. Uh, Chuck, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, I'm an official in, uh, in Illinois here, and I officiate high school stuff in three states, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, mm-hmm. in six different sports. And you can actually get a game canceled, postponed, or suspended Due to player safety, if anyone, any personnel on the field or a court of play, if anyone's in, if jeopardizing that particular situation, 
whether it be a coach or a player or an umpire or an official, you can get the game suspended, canceled, or postponed. Look, let me... That guy wasn't exactly correct about that. Game, game administration takes over that situation. Let me tell you this, and this is a high school game, but if you know your kids were playing in a high school and uh, it's an away game and things are going fucking crazy, you want your kids taken care of first. Unbelieve oh. me. I had to fucking play, you know, I had to roll into Chester to fucking play games. <laughs> we could have gotten our fucking ass beat going to the games, being there and leaving. So, you know, your parents want to make sure that you're fucking okay. They don't give a shit whether the fans get to stay and watch a high school game. Go to fuck home. You're not watching any good baseball here anyway. Um, here is uh, Jeff in Ohio. You're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, let's go over to Joe in Iowa. Hey, this is Joe in Iowa. How are you, buddy? Hey, I was at the game. I was one of the fans that got kicked out. Um, what happened was uh, one group of parents started yelling at the umpire, and another group of parents started yelling at this other group of parents, and it actually was starting to get unsafe. Like, there was a brawl that was about ready to break out in the stands because of an umpire's call. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, that's why he decided to really kick everybody out because it was getting to the point where um, there could have been some stuff that was happening between the other two teams' fans as well as the umpire. Uh, and the umpire is actually a buddy of mine. We uh, well, we referee football together, and he probably made some marginal calls. But that's just baseball, and I think he just did it because he was afraid of the, the safety of the whole crowd was in jeopardy. So that was my take. I, I like there. his I call. I honestly do. Uh, you clear the bar sometimes. If you got a bar and everybody starts fucking punching each other, I know, it ain't closing time. Guess what? Get the fuck out. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Everyone out. He, he should have just gotten rid of those to, those sets of parents that were arguing. How can you find them all? He's on the field. They're in the stands. Right. It's He's a- not security. You want to hire security now to be in the stands? Well, it's a high school. I'm sure they have a campus officer there. A campus officer. I didn't have a campus officer in my high school. I didn't have a campus officer showing up for fucking high school baseball Most games. people don't have campuses in high school. They, the place right. is called a campus. You don't even have fucking stands at a lot of fucking games. People come up, they sit on the hill, or they bring their fucking stupid lawn chairs, <laughs> like those ugly lawn chairs in Times Square. I got mine one. You're lucky enough now to have sports in high school, Fez. Let alone have the campus officer running <laughs> security. And again, who gives a fuck about the fans? This game isn't for the fans. It's for the kids that are playing. If you motherfuckers can't keep it together, get your asses out. I ain't playing games with you. Yeah, these aren't paying customers. Why? why no. Who cares what rights they have? They have no rights. Get out. <laughs> you what? What are you, a fucking pedophile? Watching kids play ball? I mean, if this was like a uh, a high school talent show and parents started heckling the talent, I'm pretty sure that they would just say, okay, we're going to close this down until you parents get out. Hi, in New Jersey. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. I just want to make a point. We don't. I'm an umpire, a Little League umpire. You two radio shows. We don't, we don't care who wins. That's what they don't understand. We don't. I'm not a part of some conspiracy for the uh, you know, Pee Wee Tigers win the championship. I could care less who wins. We make mistakes. Big deal. Most of the time, the kids could even care who wins like six weeks after the <laughs> fact. 
I played on last place teams. I played on first place teams. I don't give a shit either way. I hate no, the Peewee Tigers, though. Yeah, the Peewee Tigers are assholes. They're the rich boys. Yeah. Bunch of dicks. Best brand new aluminum bats. Wristbands. Well, we'd, uh, you know, Z-Man got thrown out for smoking a cigar. If you don't find that funny, it's fucking, you, you don't have a sense <laughs> of humor. He can't get into any place. I'm sure he went quietly. Tries to get in with yellow sneakers. He can't get in. Well, he always brags that his kid plays for a travel club. What's wrong with playing with the kids? When does travel club bullshit start? Uh, late 80s. It I began. like to fucking play against the guys in my neighborhood. What do I got to do? <laughs> get on a fucking bus? Go three st states over and play? These travel clubs are bad news. They're saying that they're more, you know, they're influential, like, for in terms of scouts. Check out the travel clubs more than they are checking out high school teams now. And so they don't even... A lot of kids well, they're playing more fun. games. They're playing more games, and they're playing probably better competition, but it's at the risk of, you know, staying at home, developing, you know, friendships with your local boys and shit like that. Well, yeah, but exactly. I mean, how many, give me some kind of numbers, how many kids from travel clubs go on and play in the fucking Major League Baseball? Well, I'm just saying right now, all kind of prospects make sure that they play on travel clubs. But it's some some people believe it's just too much baseball. Now, do you have to be all-star level before you make it? Or no, I could mean, any rich kid play on a travel club? Any rich kid could play travel club. Absolutely. In fact, um, the same exact guy who I was telling you about who was a Lily bad, uh, awful Lily coach, he wanted to do a travel club, but his son wasn't good enough to make the team. So he started his own travel club. He just he started. Yeah. He you know he he sponsored it. He was a chiropractor. He put his name on the back. We joined. It had actual good athletes. I was one of them. I wasn't one of the better ones. Did but, you travel? Yeah, we traveled. We traveled How far throughout did you Jersey. Travel? We traveled throughout Jersey. We now, may have to Newark and shit like that. Was it a matter of just joining tournaments? Is that was it? Yeah, it was. It was a tournament-oriented league where you know you have eight travel teams, and that's it. You play for that thing, and you know it's like St. Vincent's of uh, you know Newark will put this on, and uh, and there you have it. It's almost like minor league baseball for high school kids, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old. Right. So there's no home games. Basically, no. There's no home games. I mean, you know, you go out, you seek tournaments. It's not like, you know, we're the team from this area. But I just think, you know, except for Bryce Harper, who plays travel baseball, my man, I think it's making the kids play too much. I mean, one of the good things about professional athletes is they're athletes, and it's like it's an advantage for a guy to be talented in multiple sports and to play multiple sports in high school, in my opinion. So now, because you're joining a travel club, if you're playing baseball, you don't go to football. That's it. You only play baseball. And guess what? A lot of guys, Pete Rose was a fucking great high school football player. So right. was Jim Brown was a great lacrosse player. Those skills helped them on their major league level, whatever sport they chose. All of them will tell you that. No Nomar was a great soccer player. It helped him with his baseball career. Uh, here is Tito in Atlanta. He's got a... Uh... Spy report. Spy report. What do you got, Tito? What's happening, buddies? Yeah, apparently they are now firing on the protesters in Fezzi's wonderful new country of Iran. Oh, he loves them. Here's Adam in Connecticut. Hey, right. These travel teams that David is talking about, they're all bullshit. They're all there to make money, and they're all there just to, to, uh, to literally take advantage of all these kids. And it really it ticks me off because only here in America do we do this, where we have a thing called amateur laws, which is bullshit. If you go anywhere outside this country, you have professional teams 
that run legitimate under 15, under right. 18, under 21 teams. These kids are making money. They're not making a lot of money, but they're getting a, they're getting a slice of the pie. And when I saw um, yeah. the thing with, because uh, I had no idea this, and then uh, Manchester uh, on this bio thing, on one of the bio channels, they signed David Beckham when he was like 13, 14. He started playing for one of the Manchester wow. teams. And I'm like, we have nothing to even compare to that in this country. Although, from what I understand, uh, pro, pro basketball are following kids, 11, 12 years old. And oddly enough, so are Nike. Uh, a lot of these tournaments that you're talking about, the pro tournaments, will be put on by the shoe companies so they know who is coming up. Um, here is uh, Charles in North Carolina. Hey, Ronnie. Listen, I'm going to tell you what the deal is. I'm a basketball coach, a football coach, and a baseball coach. The worst thing about all these parents and people in the stands, they try to relive their damn glory days when they was in school or kids through their damn kids. Right. And they act like they're just stupid. I mean, it's, it ruins the game for the kids. And those traveling teams, half those kids are good players, and they burn them out before they ever get to where they could really yeah. But you're right. Their game. Um, when it comes to that, the families start to travel together, and then the parents go out as couples. So they're like, uh, you know, it's almost like little vacations. <laughs> then the parents, there'll be two or three sets of them. They'll start to probably fucking fuck around with each other. Wife swap it up. But, you know, a suburban fucking version of that. Where, uh, you know, you're sneaking a peek down her fucking blouse. <laughs> well, that's why there's just a little bit of a, a shadiness to the travel clubs that I don't believe in. There's a shadiness to you. I know. Because I saw you sneak a peek the other day. <laughs> Uh, Ex, how Slim long? Shady. How long do you think someone can sneak a peek before they should have to avert their eyes? Oof. Uh, two seconds, maybe three seconds. That's fine, right? You was you're more than that. I was in good territory. Fuzzy, oh no! What is? And let's suppose a woman's uh, leaning over. Uh huh. She could be a waitress. She could be a friend. <laughs> She's leaning over. How long do you think uh, a peek can be snuck? Um, I would say very quickly, half a second. I think you get a beat to take in everything you're going to try to look at. You go a full second, you're going to be noticed. Well, wait. What if a friend is adjusting her bra? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It shouldn't shouldn't depend on the action. And if there's an adjustment that's taking place and it lasts four or five seconds, I'm going to give it. No, you you find your half a beat to do it. If you if that were true, Dave. Why did you look so humiliated when you were caught? <laughs> why did because you? I was. Why no, were I you? Wasn't. Why were you humiliated? I just get embarrassed easily, but it doesn't mean I was wrong. All right, let me ask you this: You're walking down the road, a hot chick's coming the other way. You turn around and look at the ass, give a full look at the ass. Yes, of course. Even when I'm with my chick, I'll figure out a way to do it. I'll drop something on the ground. Oh, I got to pick something up. And then I'll look at the ass, you know, squatted down like that. Hex, you turn around and look at the ass? Yeah, I look at the ass, yeah. Do you go like Dave and fake it? Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty blatant. Yeah. And plus, there's windows and rearview mirrors on cars. You can use so many different things. Why can't you do? But why can't you just turn around and look at the ass? I feel like it's an insult to the uh, to the woman you're with. Because what is it saying? It's saying that you're finding someone else more desirable to than them. So you are? 
No. Do you find that woman more uh, no, desirable? No, no, no. In their own heads. In their own heads. To me, it's just saying, hey, I appreciate beauty, whether it's a fucking mountain or a broad's ass. Right. But women don't see it like that, and they're very, you know... Should a guy turn around and look at the ass, or is that harassment? That's uh, that's harassing. That's no. It's here's the thing. If you got if if a woman is walking in front of you and you can look at the ass, that's fine. But if it's come if she's coming towards you right. and passes, here's the problem though, Fez. I live in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. There's some world class women. Right. There's women's coming my way. If I don't turn around and see that ass in a city of seven million, I'm never going to see that ass again. Mm-hmm. It's a one time only ass shot. It's That's gone. just the way the cards lined up for that one. But then, you got to see the front, you didn't get to see the back. But what the, if I got to relight my cigar right. with my back to the wind? Yep. And you know, I mean, I got to turn around. That's good. Uh-huh. Relight. I'm yeah. Steal that. <laughs> well, you're not a fucking smoker. I, I I will I will start up again. And why can't a man check out a woman? Why is it such a bad thing? Let's suppose Dave is alone. Why can't he check out a woman? I think it's making her an object. It's uh, she is I, an object for him. At that second. Yeah, I, I just find it rude. It's too animalistic. It's not civilized. It's well, like you're turning to stalk see, and prey. I think just the opposite. I don't think that an animal knows what a nice ass is. <laughs> Probably. I, I think that as humans, we should be observant. And if it's a nice ass, that's one of the things. I mean, I get stares from women sometimes, not in a good way, and they look at this redheaded freak. But... That's the way it goes. All right, but here's a uh, fact, Fezzi. I'm walking down the street. I see a beautiful building. I see a beautiful car. Can I turn and look at those? Sure. Can I turn and look at artwork? Yes. A sunset, a point of nature? Uh Uh-huh. Why not a beautiful woman? I'm not bothering her. I'm not yelling at, hey, mommy. (laughs) We're not talking Dominican here. We're talking about just turning around. Anglo. We have manners. And admiring a woman. Um, here's Tom in Illinois. Hey, buddy. There is a, uh, there is a science to it. You have to, I think how long depends on how far away she is and what action she's performing. You have to have a little foresight so you don't get caught. And if you do, give a smile and a wave and you're out of there. Yeah, I don't think a woman hates knowing that people find that they're attractive. See, I think a woman would not like someone turn, you know, just stopping in their path, turning around and ogling them. But that's bullshit. Define ogling. You know, it's such a big gesture to stop, turn around, and just stare right at the ass. Yeah, but I'm not saying I'm gonna grab my dick. (laughs) I'm turning around and um, they can't feel it. You're not placing your eyes physically on their ass. You're using them as, you know... And let's face it, she's not going to know. Now she's got her back to you. What, does she turn around Turn around to look at you now? Yeah. If she, How is she going to know? If she felt the eyes on her. She How felt someone staring at her. You can't feel eyes on you. All right, now, look, all right, Dave, I want you to walk him this way. I'll come in. And tell me if this looks bad, Fezzi. Okay. That looks a little bad, Ron. Oh, well, I gotta smoke my cigar. It's uh, it was such a quick turn. Well, I have five fucking feet here, <laughs> Fuzzy. 
this entire thing. This is like the NFL that has to, sh- to show a post pattern in four yards. It just seemed like you were on Dave like a laser. Well, I couldn't fucking move in this fucking thing. Plus, I don't want to see the uh, the ass from fucking 35 feet away. And I loved I every see second it of it. A, did you? Yeah, I did really you enjoy did. It? I did. It made me feel good. It made me feel pretty. Let's suppose this, Dave. If women started staring at you. Yeah. I'd look, Why would that if, feel bad? If I knew that they weren't staring at me like redheaded monster, 12 right. o'clock, if I knew it was like, whoa, look at that, I would love it. I'd do. It would be great. And I'm also for staring right at the titties if they're going to wear a titty shirt. Yeah, but then you got embarrassed and humiliated when you got caught doing it. So that doesn't work. Uh, Steve, you're on Running Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, that's the problem with this whole country here. That's pretty much an America thing. I mean, you go over to Europe, you go down to South America. That's what women wear thongs for, so they don't have the panty lines. That's why they wear the see-through beige pants, because they're showing. That's why they wear a sweater up here in Wisconsin with cleavage when it's 40 below zero. They're advertising. They're hoping that, that work. That's why they go to the gym and everything. I mean, that's what it's all about. They're coyly does he like dance room? Yeah, it's uh I would say when and maybe on the beach, maybe a woman does want to look uh be looked at. Maybe that's why she is in her bikini. But if you're on well, the why street isn't she in a bikini just to swim. But if she's if she's on the street and she's doing her daily business, going to her job oh, I meant going to work. One or two. She going one or two. The daily business is not considered work. No one ever <laughs> said that. Wayne, uh, in Virginia, you're on my Fez. Yeah, hey, buddy. Listen, uh, Fezzi, you're wrong. The girl's wearing tight pants and a short skirt for a reason. There's no other functional use for those tight pants other than having her ass stared at. She wants to be looked at. That's what she's out there doing. Um, here is Blake in Wisconsin. Hey, you know, sometimes I'm walking on the street and I'll check out a girl and She's like, you know, maybe 14, 15, 16. I feel pretty skeevy about that, but if the girl's hot, you know, she knows it, too. What do you think about that, Dave? Fucking A. Uh, I'll do that. I think uh, I hear, you hear that sound? That's the falls, my friend. That whole point of she knows it, too, you got to be careful. Now, to look at something, anything that's beautiful is fine. Why do you have to bring their attention to it? That's why I disagree with Fez. I don't think a, a, a person is being hurt by this. Um, here is uh, Bobby in Jersey, Ermon Fez. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. Hey, there was times when I was hanging out with buddies at the mall or something like that. You had a real nice-looking woman walk by. We'd actually stop and applaud. I mean, yeah, they get a little embarrassed, but they knew what it was all about. This is why none of you guys got laid, though. (laughs) These fucking construction workers don't pick up anyone. Chad in South Dakota. Hey, gentlemen. Well, it's the male animal instinct, you know. Unlike dogs and cats and animals, we can't sniff their ass, so we got to look. Certainly would if we had the opportunity. (laughs) That's right. All right, peace. See, that's being aggressive. That's the aggressive uh, mind thought there. Where it's, we'd sniff their asses if we could. So looking at them is an extension of sniffing. It's better, though, isn't it? Well, it's a lot better. But let. But why, why are you so superior to this? Why do you see yourself... Once you got drunk and you told me 
that you were quite attracted to interns that we had. Uh-huh. You had to have looked at them. Oh, right, yeah, but not, you know, leering. You brought it up on the air, though, what you thought about them, and even saying their names. It's not that you're... Uh, and apparently you were leering. You got a good enough look. Nice. Nice little package. Or... Now, me, on the other hand, I treat whether it's the guy or girl interns professionally. I don't fucking think of them as somebody that is dateable <laughs> because they've been put here in a, a submissive point of view to begin with already. And you don't sniff their asses. I've never seen you do that. Never. Let me try to think. I think I sniffed Strings' ass. I'm not okay. sure. Or dumplings. He wasn't with us then yet, officially. One of them. I can't remember. He keeps dropping pens. Uh, James in Chicago. Uh, hey, you're hey, running Fez. Um, I don't know what Fez is um, problem with. Um, like, my okay. wife looks at guys, you know, with passive I look at girls passive eye. We don't give a shit. We know who we're going, you know, home with. Him. It's not like we're out there chasing it or... Um, you know, swingers are trying to fuck other people. It's, you know, it's a fucking look. Mm. It's like you said, it's beautiful artwork or whatever. You know, just stick a fucking look. It's no, um... And I don't think that you should be, you know, stopping the other person from going where they want to go. But, um... How can you not look at, uh... uh beautiful women? I I'm mean, a girl watcher. Watching <laughs> girls go by. My, my, my. Uh, Kelly... Yeah, hi. I'm, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I remember when I was in my 20s, My I, one day I was walking by and a bunch of guys were, you know, carrying on and it got on my nerves, and my mother told me it's the day that they don't look that you got to worry about. Now that you put on the other 80 pounds, you, well, you, right. you wish you could go back many, to those days. Still. Not that many pounds, but still, it's the yeah. day that they stop looking. Uh, what do you say to that, Fez? Well, yeah, she said it got on her nerves, and I would think that's probably the majority of women. Until she yeah. said she was taught by her mom. Right, yeah, but, I mean, her initial instinct is to feel like, you know what, I don't feel exactly safe in this environment. So we should follow our initial with instinct? What? I do agree with Fez. We should follow our initial instinct? Yeah. No, no, I, I think that women do feel threatened. Yeah. It's going to tell much they carry on, like the guy that said... I agree. Uh, there's none of us that thought you should be hanging out of windows or yelling or grabbing at your dick. But why would you not turn around and appreciate a woman? It seems insane to me. Uh, here is uh, John. John, you're on Fez. Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Uh, listen, my wife is smoking hot, and she works out. And she has that look, and she appreciates when someone tells her she looks pretty or smells great. And uh, I've been out, you know, with her, and, and guys have walked up and done that. doesn't bother me at all. She worked very hard to, to get her body where it is for 45 years' age. She has guys turn around. She's happy as can be. See, I, th I still think it's a scary move on the guy's part, like they're going to turn around. See, and she's also with you, so maybe that's a different feeling than a woman being by herself on the sidewalk. Well, she's, she's had that happen, too. And, you know, she, you know, you know, they're adults. They know what, you know, if some guys, you know, you were threatening her or something, but it's never happened. And, Who's uh, worried know, about the that. world hurting you, Fez? Um, here's uh, Chris. Chris, you're on the run of Fez show. I have a uh, question for Fez. Now, I understand real real quick that, like, 
you know, uh, Dave doesn't have the right to stare at this woman and make her feel uncomfortable. But what is it about you that you feel the need to suppress the human instinct, whether it be by shame or by the use of, like, psychological drugs? I mean, we're human beings. We're attracted to men. We're attracted to women, you know, and and there's just a natural thing there. Why why should we be ashamed to look at a beautiful woman and, and, you know, not act like assholes and catcall, but just appreciate and then move on? See, because I think that it's a, to the the turning or stopping and turning to look at a woman that seems aggressive. But you're not doing anything aggressive. You're just looking back to see what she looks like. No, you're stopping and you're turning towards her and you're putting her in your sights. Yes, you're looking. That's called looking. <laughs> We're not Terminator. Yeah, it's like nobody's going to pounce. No one's going to go after her. No one's going to rape. I'll sit in the section where there's a better-looking waitress than a section that doesn't have one, even if I'm with my wife. I'll, I'll, I'll make a huh, I never even thought of that. Do you look for a section with an attractive waitress, like if there's a diner? I always do that, yeah. always. That's the first thing I do when I go into the diner. and I'm, My wife's probably on to me, but whatever. Um, here is um, uh, Sam. Sam in Rochester, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hey, Ron. Um, I just wanted to say that most of the time the women don't even notice the attention. I went to the mall once with my friend, and I kind of have a large chest, and she couldn't figure out why everyone kept looking at her until she realized they were all looking at my chest. Were you loving it? Um, I didn't even notice, to be honest with you. It just happens, I guess. Did it make you feel uncomfortable once you realized what was happening? No, because I hadn't noticed at all. I mean, there's times where you can tell where a guy's looking you up and down, but there's other times where it's just a passing glance and you wouldn't notice it. See, I don't think just because the woman doesn't see it uh, makes it right, that it's okay to look someone up and down just because they're not seeing you. But you're assuming that girls don't look at guys that way. I'm not sure there. I have no idea. Okay. Well, sometimes they do. Someone, uh, A girl told me once that... Um, uh, that soccer was girls' versions of porn. Uh, and I just said, well, you're a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. And I never talked to her again. Bye, Chesky. <laughs> Take care of yourself, Tits. It was great having <laughs> you on. All right, we're going to break here. Uh, Stephen Frears is coming up. He's got a brand new uh, movie, Fez. Stephen Frears, a uh, new movie, Cherie, starring Michelle Pfeiffer. That's being released in select theaters June 26. You got Cherie-movie.com is the website. Cherie is the way it's pronounced? Uh, Sherry, sorry. Sherry or Cherie? What is Sherry. it? Sherry. Because the guy's coming in. Sherry. Sherry. What do you think, Fizz? I thought it was Cherie. Why did you change it? Um, no, that's what I was saying. You were saying Cherie. Right. But now what are you saying this? Now, if uh, if Hicks knows for sure, then it's Sherry. That's what uh, Booking just told me. Who did? Booking. All right, Sherry. Okay. I just want to know before the guy shows up. Uh, we'll take a break here. It's the Ron and Fez Show. It's the Ron and Fez Show on XM202, Sirius 197. Sorry, Tommy gets a little loaded. He doesn't mean any disrespect. You know, man, any disrespect, oh, Henry. Are you nuts? Billy, Billy, bring some on the house. Billy, Billy, bring some on the house. 
taught you those new tricks. Damn, I shouldn't start that talk. But life is one big question when you're staring at the clock. And the answer's always waiting at the liquor store. Forty ounces to freedom, so I take that walk. And I know that. Oh, Yeah, it's the Ron and Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You ever need to uh, email us, it's ronandfez at AOL.com. And the unofficial official website, ronfez.net. A gay couple became the first couple to get married in New York City uh, over the weekend. It found out that apparently the city of New York was fooled when they didn't realize that both of the participants in the marriage uh, were male. They thought one was a female and went ahead and the whole thing went through, marriage license and all. So I think this is a good thing for the gay marriage movement. Where it's like, it shows, see, normal, everyday couple going through, you know, City Hall. That there was no big deal. It didn't have to be a big deal at all. It was just like any other marriage. I think it just proves that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the same way as if you, I guess, smuggle somebody across the border. Uh, you're acting like that's okay, too. It's almost like if you're coming in, hey, are you all American citizens? Yes, we are. And then they let you in. Well, I, I don't think this is as big a deal as that. I think this just shows that marriage isn't such a big deal. That, the, you know, nobody noticed and, if, and if it just went on. If marriage is such a, isn't such a big deal, why do they want to do it? Because it's something that other people get to do in the country. It's a, it's a, a matter of being fair to everybody. Of everyone, it's a well, matter of being equal. All you got to do is fool people. These people weren't equal. They went out and fooled somebody. So all you got to do is fool people. Well, I mean, uh, to eventually, to have it done legally is the way to go. But uh, I think this is a great thing here. Good. Keep fooling people. I wish we could talk about this every day. And we could say the same things over and over. But they're a really cute couple, too. Which one is the girl? Um, the one named Hakeem. Hakeem dressed as a girl? Uh, usually dresses as a girl, yes. Mm. Yep. And is very effeminate to begin with. I think Hakeem actually wants to go on and have a sex change eventually. And then the marriage will, be, uh, will work. Uh, do all gay people want to have sex changes? No, they don't. I don't think most do. Uh, Justin, you're on Manifest. Yeah, morning, buddy. Hey, I just want to agree with Fezzi. Everybody knows that wholesale deceit is the best way to bring the uh, right wing over into your way of thinking. 
I think it's a case of just showing that this can be done, that there's no big, there's no problem with it. This is a couple that was as, together. As long as you lie, yes. They could have kept it going for years. I'm sure they would have bypassed their uh, their neighbors. Uh, eventually, uh, Hakim gets the sex change operation he's always wanted. Everything becomes okay. Well, yeah, but... Um, again, not hurting anyone. This isn't any sort of violent revolution. I don't think anyone would call it a revolution of any kind. I don't think there's been any revolts going on. Um, Tony. Tony, you're on the Run of Fez show. Let me try again. Yeah, for fraud. Yeah. I think this guy should be put in jail for fraud and, uh, what do you call it? They have civil unions and stuff like that. Why do they need marriages? Because you know? marriage is something that other people get to do. There's no reason why one group of people should be allowed to do something like this and another uh, group not. You say the same things every time. And legally, they are allowed to get married. They're allowed to marry the other sex. They're not allowed to marry that the person that they want to. Mm. There are states that they can go and get married. Why don't they go to those states? Well, I think with this, they wanted to show that it should be done in New York City. And I think this is their way of protest. Well, they, uh, the governor agreed with you, and he ended up losing the fucking Senate. Do you know that? Right. I knew that something was going on in Albany. I didn't know exactly what the problem was. Well, that's what happened. Um, a couple of the Democrats who disagreed when the government's push have jumped... And now you got a, a much more right-wing state Senate. But it, still, it doesn't mean that the progress shouldn't be made or at least tried for. Um, here is uh, Mike. Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, Fed, since this was done through deceptive measures and they didn't follow the rules that were laid in place, are you going to be upset if their marriage license gets taken away from them? I wish it wouldn't be. I wish they could keep it. I'm sure they're not going to be able to. Because it's uh, still against the law in New York. So you think these are proud gay people who are standing up for themselves? That's exactly. I think this was a great way to go about it. Mm -hmm. A great way to bring attention to it. Well, I will say this. I admire any fucking gay person who comes out and says, here's who I am. I'm not just throwing rocks from behind something or bringing up subjects, even though me uh, beating a subject to the ground even though I myself not willing to uh, uh, want to have anything to do with it. Uh, here's Ace. Ace, you're on Fez. Good morning, boys. Fezzy, how can you say they were normal? One of them's a tranny, the other one's a homo. I, worst thing you can be, a tranny and a homo? Um, They're Americans. No. One's a tranny, one's a homo. They're living in this country, and that's fine. It was a normal marriage. Between it's not two a people. Marriage. They, they, they deceived everybody. They said they were a guy and girl. That's deception. That's not a normal marriage, Fez. They turned in all the ID that they had to. They provided everything that the city asked for to get married. Come on, Fez. I would almost agree with you. There are certain people that I can see it on, that I can see them getting married, okay? But when you go to deception and you, and you lie about it, no, that's. 
not getting your point across. That's definitely a couple of callers ago said it. That's not going to get the right wing to go, to go with you. You're not going to get it. Um, here is uh, Brick in New Hampshire. Hello. Hey guys. Hey, what's up, Brick? Hey. What can we do for you? I just wanted to ask you, Fez. Uh, would it be cool if you robbed a bank but used a fake gun? No, that wouldn't be. No, that wouldn't be cool. That would be so illegal. You couldn't show the guy. Like, oh, look, it was fake. Look, hot food. You kind of keep the money. Is that cool? Nobody faked anything here. They showed their no, IDs. Wait, nobody what? Nobody faked anything. No, nobody faked anything. They showed their IDs. They. You just said that. They, you just said that they faked it. They did. That's not a guy and a girl. It's two guys. They faked it. And suddenly they didn't. Oh wait, here's my ID. This is the What's city wrong? not catching something. This isn't uh, them faking anything. Uh, Jason in Montana, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah. Um, before I get to my point, your analogy of the slipping across the border is is perfect. It doesn't really hurt anything, but it's against the law. Right. Um, also, though, don't you think? And I'm more with you, Ron, on this. But don't you think, like in in 20 years? Gays, lesbians, will be getting married, and it'll just be no big deal. It'll be one more marriage, and we'll look back and go, God, what what were we doing? Just like the way we didn't let women vote or, you know, we treated First people. First of all, it's, it's okay ago. today in five states. My point well, is this. Every day I'm hearing the same argument. Fez hasn't, doesn't even change and bring up any new points. We've got it. We've understood it. Either go work for it. But why bring up the same thing day after day after day? Go work for it. Have you worked for any of these causes? Have you, you stood up yourself for any of these causes? No, I mean, not. No, I'm not impressed. You just bring it up like you yourself are under attack, but you're not willing to say. And again, I don't even see shit working in marriage as it is today. Um, uh, here is Mark. Mark, you're in run of Fez. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Uh, Fez, I'm with you. Like uh, for equality for everybody, yeah, that's great. However, what you're arguing for is is an antiquated notion of a contract between two people, where one, if you go traditionally, is supposed to obey the other. So, like, we want to progress forward and evolve into better human beings, but you're trying to hold back something that is holding humanity back. But this, this, this is progressing. This is being inclusive no, with all Americans. It's not. You're trying to hang on to an antiquated notion of a contract between two people. That really just go draw up a contract between any two people to mean anything you want. Stop falling into the marriage stuff as if it still uh, matters. It's just stupid. And it's like saying, I want to get in on a leaky fucking rowboat. Draw up whatever you want, call it something, and to hetero start to rip it off from you. That would be the fucking cool thing. That would be the impressive thing. Uh, Tony in Arizona, you're on Ron Fez. Hey, Ron Fez, how are you guys doing today? Yeah. I had a quick point that I believe the female in that marriage used a fake ID, said she was a female. And I'm wondering if she gets a sex change, will her husband uh, no longer want to be with a guy without a cock? 
Watching out. Peace. Uh, you know where we were going to go with this by bringing it up, right, Fez? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. You got anything new? No, I don't. Do you feel like you've made your point? Yes, I do. And what is your point? That this was good for the gay marriage movement, that it showed that it just showed a couple going out there, getting married, and going through all the processes, and that gay marriage is no big deal and people shouldn't worry about it, to keep it illegal in some states. Uh, Danny in Louisiana. Hey, Ron. Hey, Joe Fez. Uh, says you, you say that the reason that uh, gays should be able to get married is because everybody should have the right to marry whoever they want. I I really love my sister and want to marry her. Should I be able to get married to her? Not if that's going to harm somebody. If it's going to lead to like you know a child with uh, you know developmental issues. No, no not if it's going to hurt somebody. So we don't want to uh, have kids. We just want to get married. So you want um, guys and their sisters to be able to get married? No, I don't want that. As long as they're not having kids? No, that's not what I'm going for at all. Well, what are you saying? Would that be okay in your world? Mm, no. Why not? Because it's inside the same family. But people can do whatever they want. Why can't people inside the same family do whatever they want? Why would that hurt? Because that could be unhealthy. They're not going to have kids. Then I guess I don't have a good reason for it. All right, so Fez Watley is for brothers and sisters marrying. It's horrible. No, that's his thing. What about two brothers? Two brothers get married? Can me and my brother get married? That would fall under the same category then, yes. So... Vote for Fez Watley, and brothers will be getting married. But, I mean, incest would have to be made legal. That's fine. Why should it be illegal? Why should two brothers not be able to blow each other? Why would that be illegal? Yeah. I got three brothers. I want a little tail. What's the problem there? I don't know. I guess because it's uh, probably because it's always been that way. It's the only reason why it's illegal. Can't wait to suck my brother's cocks. You Is probably haven't waited. Uh, here's Scott. Scott in Texas. Hey, Fez. Going around your argument of uh, the couple show their identification. Say a kid walks into a liquor store, shows his underage ID, and they still give him a bottle of booze. Do you think that's a good thing for the kid? No, but, I mean, that's the store clerk's uh, job to check the ID. And they fuck up sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So when they don't, does that mean kids are okay to drink? No, that doesn't make it okay to drink. How's it any different than this story? You're just telling us somehow a clerk fucked up and let two people get married. Um, And you're taking it as uh, uh, a smart thing. Here's Michael in Houston. Michael. Hey, Ronnie, what's going on? Great show. Listen, if uh, Fuzzy says it's okay because they used a fake ID or whatever, why don't we just give gay people fake marriage license? Okay, y'all are married, and we'll just all pretend, and the gay people will be happy. Fuzzy said it was okay. I actually think that's not a bad idea. I think the real way to, to get around this is to ignore marriage, to call yourself married if you want to, have your own ceremony. Have your own fucking contract. Have a contract 
that is more binding and better fucking suited than this old, dusty marriage contract. Um, here is Linda in, uh, in New Hampshire. Hi, Ron. Hi, Fezzi. Hey, Fezzi, I just wanted to point out that in the New England states where uh, gay rights have recently passed, and I'm from New Hampshire, and we're really proud uh, to now have gay marriage, um, but it was not based on someone going and taking the initiative to misrepresent themselves um, to get a license. It was really based on reasoned and rational thinking and articulating that it is, in fact, discrimination and convincing the populace. And I think the first step towards doing that is to, to treat it like it's normal. And the fact that certain people feel that it's shameful enough to keep as a secret doesn't advance that cause. And I really wish that you would be proud of who you are and come out and, and help the cause. And hopefully it can happen in New York like it happened in New Hampshire. And that is why we are in the same position here for months. Exactly. Fez hasn't moved his position of who he is and what he wants. He hasn't changed one thing about why he wants gay marriage other than say the same thing over and over and over because heteros have it. And heteros have had it since the beginning of time. So you can't expect those people to suddenly change their minds about the way the world that they grew up in works without being educated. And that's not wind at or called names. It's about being educated. Absolutely. And to educate them, you have to educate yourself. But don't you think this couple is part of an education? Absolutely not. They're making a joke out of it. And I so are you. Agree. If I'm going to be totally fucking honest here instead of getting mad, mm -hmm. so are you. It's a joke for you to bring this up almost daily and to not work on it at all. And to not have anything new. And to have the listeners kick your ass with it. And for you we not love to be... you. We just want you to do something. Yeah, we do. It's really sad to hear you day after day, Fezzi. That's all it is. It's just sad for us. I'm punching out, boys. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. What did she say to you? She said she was saying that um, she was concerned about my happiness and that it would be a bigger stake in it if I announced something. Not necessarily. She said she's from a state that has decided themselves to allow gay marriage. Mm -hmm. She personally is happy for that. But it didn't come from deceit or trying to shove this or, or uh, push this or accuse, but from the people in the state debating it, coming up with new ideas and going around it. Um... Here is, um, um, oh, I'm not going to play this. Here's Joe, Joe in Baltimore. Hey there, Ron. Um, yeah. Fez, what's up, guys? I was just wondering, like, the, the thing that, that gets me is, like, middle America already is against, you know, gay marriage and uh, things like that. But I think one of the problems with it is that it's not just uh, lesbians and gay men. Then they're bringing trannies or lumped into the group and chicks with dicks and every crazy little aspect of it it's like uh it's a little too hard to swallow you know what i mean it, it makes it a little harder um do you because uh, they're all like lumped in, and I'm not, I'm not i'm not against none of it i personally don't care but well, it's um let's say something about marriage and we have to fucking do this over and over and over again 
because it's the one topic Fez keeps coming back to. But the marriage was never set up so that couples would be happy together. Marriage was set up so somebody would take responsibility over the fucking children with the property. Period. And that's from the beginning of time. It's not fucking recently. It is a contract. That basically means the women don't get fucking screwed up. Draw up a new contract. Make it better than fucking marriage. If anything, let's get rid of fucking marriage for everybody. Uh, here is... Um, Here's uh, Jason. Jason, you're on the Run and Fest show. Hey, what's up, boys? Yeah. All right, here's the deal. What if I did the traditional thing, you know, the, the, the fuzzy things of marriage? All right, so, so I, have two, uh, I have two people. They like each other, but they've never had any kind of sexual contact. They get married. I find out on my wedding night, the other person has a dick. Is that valid marriage then? Well, I would guess it would be, you know, that would be misrepresenting. Just like these this couple do. How's that misrepresenting? I mean, if it's, if it's valid for those two, why isn't it valid for me, even though I was deceived, just like they deceived, you know, the rest of the people? Um, because there has to be a certain amount of honesty is what he's saying. All right, let's move this along, Fuzzy. Brand new movie is coming out on the 26th. Sherry, starring Michelle Pfeiffer. That's going to be released in select theaters on June 26th. The website is sherry-movie.com. And we have the director, Stephen Frears. Stephen Frears has directed such films as The Queen, um, Fail Safe to One on TV, High Fidelity, uh, Grifters, Mary Riley, Hero, Dangerous uh, Liaisons. Uh, let's bring him in, Mr. Uh, Stephen Frears. Stephen Frears is in the uh, studio with us. The new movie is Sherry. How are you, Stephen? I'm still alive. You're still alive. Still making it happen, huh? I saw the um, the trailer for this sometimes back at the Paris Theater up here on 59th Street. It's a big, beautiful theater. And I was always wondering, is that, uh, when, I, when I see a film look like this one, and it's so gorgeous, is that like your hope that you get to play in some of the old bigger theaters or... I've never been to the Paris Theater, so I... It's, I, you, it's you, just one of the old gorgeous theaters, and yeah. you know that sometimes you run into different yeah. sediment plexes, but is there always... Uh, I'm always, <laughs> while you're shooting the film, or do you think about what kind never, of theaters they play? I never thought about it, but it sounds it sounds lovely. Yeah. You make it sound absolutely look gorgeous. Um, but you know that it's going to be seen in all different types of theaters, yeah. and then again yeah. on DVD and TV. Yeah. Uh, and particularly when you shoot a film like this, 
Uh, it seems like big screen is what you're most looking yes, for. Yes, I prefer it. <laughs> yeah. I only see films on in cinemas. I won't. I don't watch films on. You DVD. won't watch them in, on DVD at all. No, no. Uh, so some of the films. I like the whole experience of going to the picture yeah. the cinema. And what about even like older films where you go back and watch um, any well, films I, that you grew up with? Or? Yeah, no, I mean I know them quite well, but mm -hmm. I still pre I just prefer going to the cinema. Yeah, I don't blame you at all for that. Don't blame you at mm. all for that. That's how I grew up, and it seems to me a rather nice experience. Um, and and but you know uh, one of the things that's different is let's say a young person coming up now. Yeah, no, I understand the way the world is. Yeah, uh, and then they could also go and watch a film. 30, 40 times. Yes, we, you know, over and uh, yes over. it's, it's shocking. <laughs> I mean, we didn't grow up with that sort of opportunity. Yeah. Films were very rare and very mysterious. Mm -hmm. Again, I slightly preferred that. Then films became more and more available, and now they're, you know, everybody's seen everything two million times. And, also, and it's not surprising that people are kind of jaded. And it's also taken away any, I th would think, mystique that a movie star has as well. Is that right? Yes, Be I suppose so. Because of TV and uh, yes. the internet that you're able mm. to see them for. But you've got a real uh, movie star in this film. Michelle, yes. Michelle Pfeiffer. And she keeps herself to herself. Yes. Mm. Isn't that interesting? That as long as she's been around, and it's, it's even much more difficult for women to have an extended career, but we don't know as much about Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, perhaps she's wiser than yeah. many people. She doesn't do the uh, TV talk shows as much or yeah. reality yeah. shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did this project come together for you? I, my friend Christopher Hampton wrote a script, and we were having lunch, and I said, well, why don't you let me read it? Mm -hmm. It's always the script first for you? Because, always. Yeah. Always, always, always. So many of your films, they, they go from one kind of genre to the next. Yeah, that's because I just read a script and like it. Yeah. So what are you looking for in a script? What is it that's important Something that to you? makes me laugh. You know, whatever, is, whatever the audience is going to experience. I'm just the first member of the audience. Yeah. It's going to make me laugh. It's going to make me cry. It's going to move me. It's always interesting to me because there are times with some of your films that I would think, well, this subject matter is not necessarily for me. The Queen is one that I did not think I would get captured, and I had friends going, you've got to see this. I'm going, really? A movie about the Queen? And then you went to see it? And then I went to see it, and I got s captured really, really quickly, yeah. you yeah. know? Particularly well, as an American. It's a well, much the same with me, that you're yeah. skeptical, and you think that doesn't sound very interesting. Then you start to discover it is rather interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry if I had you up the garden path. <laughs> well, you know, uh, for me, one of my favorite films of all times is The Grifters. Thank you. And I don't know if you could get further away from the people in The Grifters and, and The Queen. Um, yes, it's difficult. To me, they're all the same, really. So is it I, really? Yes, I don't separate them. It's just a different bit of your brain. Uh, but it's but it always comes to be about people and how they yeah. interact with yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one uh, coming out now. Um, are you, at what point do you kind of leave the film b behind? Has it already happened for you where you're like, this, yes. what's going to happen? No, is no, no. When you, when you make the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And you, this, is, this is a sort of moment when you sign off and think, that's it. I've done it. And how much time do you, do you spend with a film? Is it a, a year, more? I was on that film for 18 months. 18 months. It was finished, yeah. yeah. It's so, always about two years. Yeah, always about two years. Mm -hmm. And by the time that it's over, you're... Ready to let go of it or some of these... Uh, well, the, yes, uh, then you're trying to clear your head, really. Yeah. They hang around for a long time <laughs> in your head. What, uh, at what point did you become uh, interested in being a director? Uh, it, it happened by accident. Yeah? I never wanted to be a film director. 
I, I, I wanted to work in the theatre, and then when I was working in the theatre in London, I met a film director. He said, come and work on my film. Yeah. And then I discovered I could earn a living making TV films, and then one day you think, oh, I see, I can do this. And so I made my beautiful laundrette. Yeah, and what a film that was. Had, had uh, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, been seen before that film? or Yes, he'd been in films, but obviously yeah. that was a big break for him. Yeah, it was a gigantic break. Mm. And uh, for people that aren't used to it, many, many years before uh, some films that were considered breakthrough films, um, that film was way before its time. Well, no, it was absolutely of its time, which yeah. is why it was so successful. But yes, I agree, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it hadn't been done before. Yeah, uh, but even like uh, 20 years later, people were talking about Brokeback Mountain, yeah. oh, the braveness of the actors or whatever, but yeah, that had there. all been... Uh, I've been, been there a long time before, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dangerous Liaisons was uh, something that you had done, and the interesting thing there, too, is there was another... Wasn't there another film that was running about the Milos Forman made the film called Valmont. Yeah. How, does, how does that happen, where you're both working on it a similar project? It just gets into the atmosphere somehow. Yeah. I think they wanted him to make Dangerous Liaisons, and he wouldn't. He decided to make his own version. I see. And I said, look, I may not be as good as Milos, but I'm faster. No, you're much faster. <laughs> yes. Well, it really does help whoever gets it out there first, I I'm guess. afraid so. Yeah. I'm afraid so. Is there a type of uh, genre, a film genre, that you've always wanted to work in that no, you I haven't had the no, opportunity yet? I don't yet? think like that. I just read a script and follow it, and the, it always takes me to rather unexpected places. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be about that one particular story. You really, yes, you yeah. don't. And the interesting. I don't look for films to make. Yeah. It just, I just follow things. I follow my curiosity. What's the last film that really grabbed you that somebody else made that you thought this uh, is surprising? This is something I expected. I liked to see. last year a film called Gomorrah. Uh -huh. There's an English documentary called Man on Wire. Mm -hmm. But now you've made my mind go blank. I'm sure there are. I'm looking forward to seeing The Hangover. Is that any? <laughs> is that right? Is that a consolation? <laughs> um, this one gets released in a, a couple of weeks. Are you working on a new project? No, I've got to this? get a job. You still? Does it always feel like that for you? Like uh, now no, I'm without work. It's really trying to. It's, the truth is, it's trying to deal with the inside of your head, and that's the real problem. Uh, your your own head. Yes. To get away from the well, to sort of open up and to be open enough to receive some new idea, because if you're not at that point, it won't show up for well, you. Well, you're sort of you're sort of confused because you're still making the old films. So I you, see. At a certain point, you become open, and then you get I, a new idea. I didn't know whether you were being mystical and thought I'm ready to uh, receive a gift, or maybe because you're focusing so no, much. No, it's nothing. It's not quite as it's not as <laughs> mystical as that. It's just. I don't know. I, I find life quite difficult and confusing, and gradually you sort things out. Uh, and in just terms of work or, or everything? Because I imagine. Probably everything, but yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Being a, a filmmaker, I'm sure it takes over a, a very large part of your life. Once you say time. you'll make a film, I mean, you're, you just glaze over. You, you just switch off for the rest of your life. Everything else falls by the yes, wayside. It's a nightmare. I feel sorry <laughs> for my wife. Uh, and everybody in your life has to put up with. Kind Whatever you're working yes, on, absolutely. Uh, on, they deserve all the my time. sympathy. Uh, when you come here to America, did you find uh, that's difficult being, you know, uh, from, uh, you know, having a British uh, background? I've been treated very, very well in America, and I've always mm -hmm. had a very good time. It's sure as hell different. Yeah, you know, we have more in common with European countries than we do with America. I mean, it's a completely different world here. And as a filmmaker, it seems like uh, the rest of the world is more ready to accept American films. People, that's all people want to do is watch American films. 
What is it about uh, the Hollywood experience that every part of the the world people you just accept? brought? You know, that's that's what the world values. Yeah, and you, so you're always the exception. You know, even if you make Slumdog Millionaire, you're the exception, mm-hmm. and the norm is American films. Well, the truth is that American movie industry is very very good at making those films. Uh, in terms of comedies, action. Yes, they're very clever at it. Yeah. Uh, but as far as making the smaller humanistic films, it's almost like they do leave a niche audience for that. Yeah, just. Just. just, just it's just shrinking. Enough. It's shrinking. <laughs> All the time. Uh, Stephen Frizz, uh, really uh, fun to have you in here. Anita Pallenberg, also in oh, the. She's great. Yeah, a longtime she's fan great. of hers. Um, what made you cast her? Was it something I that. I saw a photograph of her and thought, yeah. I mean, that's a very good idea. She's fantastic. She's a wonderful woman. Uh, Kathy Bates also in the film. Incredible. Yeah. She should be on Mount Rushmore. Uh, Stephen Frizz, thanks so much for coming in, my friend. And best of luck to you with everything. Pleasure. Take care. It's the Ron and Fez Show on XM202, Sirius 197. Don't you ever talk that way to me. Never! Never! What we've got here is failure to communicate. Brian and Fez show. Remind you, Stephen Shears, Frears, a new movie, Pulling Teeth, due out uh, June 26th. I didn't force him in here, did I, uh, X? No, not at all. Big fan of the guy's movies. Well, I love this. Yeah, yeah, it is a good movie. Although, I never understood why they moved it to Chicago. It was, the book, uh, it all took place in London. And I honestly think that they like their music better than we do. Oh, yes. Very much so. Uh, String is a young... Uh, you're a screenwriter, String? Hopefully one day. Have you written any screenplays yet? I haven't finished a full-length one. I've written a couple shorts. What's the perfect movie for you? That's a tough one. Um, What's the perfect movie screenplay? I'm going to ask the, even uh, Dave to come in while I'll do this. String is uh, the young screenwriter for the Ron and Fez show. I may have you write the Ron and Fez story. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, I, my favorite screenplay is uh, Swingers, actually. Really? Yeah. I really like it. I, I, I love uh, the voice that uh, John Favreau uses. Yeah, the voice that he uses is Vince Vaughn. This is what gets to me as a screenwriter. He listened to Vince Vaughn talk his shit, went home, typed it up, and he's the fucking screenwriter. Yeah, but what he did different in, in that screenplay is that he, he took the voice of the characters and he brought it onto, the, uh, onto the, the narrative side of the page. Usually you'll have all the characters speak in a certain way, and then the, the actual narration is completely detached. So it's just, you know, third person, objective... This goes on, that goes on. He brings it in, you know, he describes people, he says, like, uh, this cat's tall and lanky. And, like, and, and nobody else really... Uh... So you like the fact that it stayed in the one way of talking. Yeah, he really brought the, he brought the world to me as a reader. Hmm, interesting. All right, uh, favorite screenplay ever? Miller's Crossing. Mm, expressive, expressive dialogue. Okay, Individual characters who not only have fantastic banter between themselves, but also 
wonderful monologues in their own right. And then finally, you know, part of the screenplay is the plot. Great plot, too. What's the rumpus? Exactly. Well, to angle Except everything. Except for I didn't understand Eddie Dayton's boy. It actually took me a couple of fucking Who, Mink? viewings. Yeah, to know that Eddie Dayton and Mink were gay. <laughs> I never got that. That's what made it so cool. Yeah, it was and, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, here they were accepting the gay hitman back in 1930s. <laughs> All right, let me go to uh, our own Chris Stanley, a man who has never uh, uh, watched a movie he hasn't booted. <laughs> what bootlegs? Uh... Blade Runner, I think that's a great, fantastic screen. Blade Runner? Yeah. Jesus Christ, they churned the fucking whole thing. They had to recut it and go back and add narration. I thought that was a nightmare for them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They had to reshoot, or not reshoot, but they had to recut the entire movie. They added in that uh, first scene from, uh, was it The Shining? Yeah. And uh, that was a real disaster. But if you look at the director's cut, it's uh, they re-released it as the original film that they wanted it to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know... It's very different from the original, but I think it still holds up. I'm going to tell you this, and you might hate me for saying it. I love Harrison Ford's narration in that. That's one of my favorite things is that it has that old 1930s type narration. Fuzzy, favorite screenplay? I'm going to say Reservoir Dogs. The best use of dialogue. Early QT. It's close. I mean... I would take Pulp over Reservoir Dogs. It's better my, written for you? Just, yeah, it's, it, let's face it. When it's all said and done, we'll all look at that as his masterpiece. It's not going anywhere. You know, that's just undisputed. 30 years from now, you'll watch Pulp Fiction and say, Jesus Christ. Um, and Reservoir Dogs is right there, but it's a 9 out of 10. Pulp Fiction's a 10 out of 10. What about True Romance? I love True Romance, too. I love that, that screenplay. It's, just, it's so beautifully written and descriptive. It's just, it really is a masterpiece. Right. My favorite screenplay? Chinatown. Okay. Oh. The Great Robert Town. Perfect fucking screenplay for me. And I don't know what, that movie breaks my heart. It literally breaks my heart, from, <laughs> at, at, even at different fucking points. What part? Well, of course, the end, of, you know, but... The way she was, yeah, her whole gimmick. And the way that he was just crushed. You know what I mean? Like, he had just... He starts out in one way, and another way, it's not like he gets beat or, you know, uh, that he just gives up on life by the time <laughs> that movie's over. He just sees life as something that is just too big to fucking control. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, you're on the Manifest Show. Road by Danny Rose, great screenplay. Roddy, before you before you comment, that's what he did a great interview. The guy was a terrible uh, interviewee. You asked some great questions, and he was just so irresponsive. Yeah, no, kind of, uh, kind, of, kind of uh, I don't know, was argumentative. You said you you said somebody was uh, ahead of the time, and he disagreed. Yeah, I know. It was just being very British. You know, we yeah, could have exactly. had, a, uh, you know, but God bless him. He seems like a nice enough man, and he's made some terrific films. Broadway Danny Rose is fan is unbelievable, but I mean that's not going to make my top four Woody Allen. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. I mean, no, that's a fun movie, but it's kind of like a, one of the sillier type of Manhattan murder mystery. Put that over there in that category. It's watchable though. Uh, Matt, Matt, you're on Fez. Hey, a uh, perfect screenplay, Barton Fink by a mile. It's a damn good fucking screenplay. It's a strange ass movie. <laughs> And That's amazing. And the, the the run that they were on with Raising Arizona and Barton Fink and Miller's Crossing 
And the the critics didn't like Hudsucker Proxy, and that came love quickly it. after. One yeah, of my favorite it. screenplays. If I was going by a screenplay, right. that thing was written so fucking well. And talk about jumping into another universe yeah, for someone. You could just rattle off a shitload of Coen brothers. I mean, I think they know how to write a screenplay. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Raising Arizona is... Uh, that's the only screenplay that I've, I've read. I've seen uh, a few of their films, but uh, Raising Arizona is just a great screenplay. There's not a straight line in that fucking movie. Every m fucking line in that movie you could laugh at. Every fucking line. <laughs> you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's perfect. So many of By their words. Was Stephen Fear saying The Hangover he wanted to go see? I, I think that's what yeah. he said. He called it The Hangover. <laughs> My screenplay teacher at college... Had thought Wait that you went to college. I certainly did, Ron. I took many write, film courses. You were going to write a screenplay. I, I see quite a lot of myself in Young String here. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> um, he thought. You know Castle... who I see in String when I look? I see Young Vincent Ferragamo. Okay. Uh, he, uh, what did your what did Casablanca? And that is very difficult to to dispute when you watch it and realize this is before CGI or anything. Screenplays were. Everything to the movie, and that movie still rocks, and the screenplay you, still holds up. You would get along very well with my very good friend Robert Osborne. I love that man. I was just watching him on the uh, on the IFC the other day. Were you here when I interviewed him? Yes, of course. I didn't know whether because you missed so many days. No, I mean, did you was, almost not come in today? No, I had. Uh, I was definitely coming in, hundred percent. Dave, <laughs> what are you looking around? For? Have you committed? Yes, I'm here. Is it still touch and go? On if you're going to be here or not. There's craziness, but as far as me, solid like a rock. like Just like the Bob Seger, baby. Hmm? Like a rock. Hmm. When you were as solid as a rock, that's the, uh, what's that couple? Ashford and Simpson. Thank you. Oh, okay. No one ever knows that, but the Simpson from Ashford and Simpson mm -hmm. was O.J. O.J. Simpson reduced. Yes. I didn't know it. 2,000 yeah. yards in a hit song. Uh, Ryan in Kansas City, you're on yeah, man. Uh, what's going on, buddy? Uh, one of my favorite screenplays of all time has got to be Raging Bull. I mean, that's just awesome. I mean, the part where, uh, you know, the the main character is asking his brother to hit him in the face and then hit him harder and it's hit amazing. him harder and hit him harder. Go ahead. Yeah, it's amazing. Harder. Here's the thing. When you write the Ron and Fez story for a spring... Uh, I want you to know this. We're going to improv a lot off of it. Okay. The chances of us using any of that shit are very, very slight. I'll give you one of those uh, trimmed down Curb Enthusiasm scripts, 10 pages. Yeah, what you want to do is really write the sets well. <laughs> okay. Because that we can't move and get out of. Uh, USA uh, starting this thing off against the, the evil Italy um, last year's, or last, uh, wow, look at that. Already a shot on goal on us. The champions of the last World Cup. That's okay. They'll but here's fall. the beauty of it. I think it's fantastic that there's the USA playing against the champs. Um, here is uh, Sean. Sean, you're on the fence. Hey, guys. Hey, Dave, you made it sound like the Coen brothers haven't had a good movie since Miller's Crossing or Raising Arizona. Did you see a movie called No Country for Old Men? Yes, I did. That wasn't my point at all, mister. They won best screenplay for that. I, I you simply, might want to look into it. That's the way you came across, mister. <laughs> hey, it didn't come across you, like you that. came across a little disrespectful. I'll suck Joel and Ethan's cocks. Everyone knows that. Um, Ethan, I think, just had a play open downtown. Really? Yeah, you don't, oh, don't, you don't pay attention to the great white way like I do, my friend. Fez and I are out there meeting theater people all the time. 
Whereabouts? I don't know. Here, there, everywhere. <laughs> Some place you never fucking heard of. How's that? Some place you ain't going to. I just said that their run that they were on there was amazing. Because, you know, before No Country, there was, what, intolerable cruelty and I will still say killers. the best fucking run anyone ever had was Woody Allen. He went like 17 fucking straight movies <laughs> that I would have given a fucking pass to. Right. More than most people make in their whole life. I'll tell you, this guy that fucking came in here today, great filmmaker. Yeah. A beautiful, uh, what is it, laundrette? Fucking great film. Um... Grifters is one of my favorite yeah. fucking films. I love that. I love Grifters. I have to check that out. I'm not even a John Cusack fan, and that that's the two best John Cusack movies. I love all High Fidelity movies. and uh, Grifters. Con artist movies are always so much fun, you know. I like a good con movie. Yeah, like Spanish Prisoner. Oh, you yeah. like the David Mamet now? Oh huh? yeah, suddenly love Spanish Prisoner. Suddenly now you're a David Mamet fan after hating him all these years. <laughs> that's not true. Um, Rick, Rick, you're on Run Fez. Hey, buddies, uh, my favorite screenplay was Gap. Well, Gap was put together in Polo's uh, early... Uh, you know how the, uh, that you sit around and you'll talk about a, an artist that will go... Picasso had his blue period. Mm -hmm. This was Polo's, what you would call, retarded period, where he was like, what if a retarded person wrote, directed, yeah. and acted in something? And for that reason, I find it to be really, really exciting. I just thought what was good about that screenplay was it was so retarded-y. Yeah. And I thought that was a real good attribute about it. He brought a sense of retardedness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one thing was the innovativeness of the retardation was that it was a screenplay that was never written. And yet he was reading it while he was on camera. You you watch the movie, mm -hmm. and you see him reading something, and then everybody claims that there was no screenplay. <laughs> so he was reading just notes. <laughs> oh, man, uh, Italy is so up our ass. I'm worried this is going to be a 7 nothing game. I mean, they're just in front of our goal constantly. I'm going to pray for lightning. We should get, like, Dwight Howard to be the goalie of America. Now that he's got nothing to do. He had nothing to do with that, uh, that whole fucking uh, finals. <laughs> I mean, how could he not be awesome? How could he not instantly be the greatest goaltender? Look at this. No. They're in front of our fucking goal constantly. Uh, what is this, the Confederation Cup? Aren't yeah. we supposed to get an interview on this? I'm waiting to hear back from uh, Liam. But uh, last week said it's, it's going to happen, just uh, to get a confirmation. Well, you know... Uh, our boss brings it up every single day, and then we never, uh, you know. Um, KC, you're on Ronifez. Ronifez. Hey, um, best screenplay ever, and I can pull this movie out and watch it whenever I want, um, every now and then. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm. Great yeah. screenplay. You can't say enough about it. It's a great call. And then, you know, uh, from the play that he wrote, he added uh, the uh, Baldwin character. That wasn't in the play. That he added just for the film. And that was the best fucking thing in the film. That, to me, is one of the great all-time fucking speeches. And maybe the best seven minutes of Alec Baldwin's career, as, as good as it's been. Whoa, almost a fucking uh, shot on goal by us. Um, I mean, the way he yells at Jack Lemmon. Poor Jack Lemmon wants some fucking coffee. Well, this is what kills me. <laughs> what do you think it was like for Baldwin? He probably was in his, you know, early 30s at the time. 
everybody in that room was probably a hero actor of him growing up. Right. Yeah. He's got to walk in. They've been doing the movie for fucking, you know, three months. He's going to do it for three days. And he just sits around and screams at them <laughs> and then leaves. You got to have some fucking balls to pull that off. And they said Ed Harris wanted to kill him for real. You could see that. What? I want to kill Alec Baldwin for Ed Harris. No, I wanted to be Alec Baldwin in that. His poor car. I believe that when he done, I wish that somebody would come in and do that for this fucking show. <laughs> These are the Glen Gary leads, and you don't get to have them. You don't, you're not going <laughs> to get it. He pulls you're them back. Shit. He pulls them back. Uh, Bill, you're on the Run of Fez show. How you doing for you, buddy? Uh, uh, I just want to name String for the Beanie Cup today. String, you've already won one, haven't you? Yeah, I have one under my belt. Uh, you've already oh. won one. And that's Amazing. a kid coming in. And today's been David Max Day. Let's not uh, fucking forget that. Thank you. Um, I did say, just real quick, the sportsmaster, when Ron said, what's going to be? I said, Lakers in five. What happened? Lakers yeah. in five games. You pulled it, so there's no dropping that. Today's Beanie Cop goes to... String. The kids wow. Thank you. Congratulations. Well, Why? I think the fact that... Uh, String came in here. He taught us all about screenplays. and uh, I went to his college. I know about screenplays. Oh, you should have asked me. According to him, the greatest screenwriter in the world is fucking John Favreau. Well, no. I the guy there. who's doing... Uh, no, they, that's my point. That's my favorite. The Big Iron Monster movie. No. AshleyMadison.com. A new woman joins every sec 60 seconds at AshleyMadison.com looking for a discreet affair. 60 seconds or less since we're talking about movies. These women, they're looking to Ashley Madison for physical intimacy that maybe they're not getting at home. They're looking for something more outside the marriage. So with over one million women signed up with Ashley Madison, they're so confident you're going to be successful using their service guys that they're offering an affair guarantee. So they're guaranteeing everyone gets laid. Yes, they are. How's this not prostitution? I think because everyone's consenting to it. If you so the prostitutes. So it, I don't know whether you know this. Mm -hmm. Prostitution is not rape. Well, this is a dating service. Mm -hmm. Well, prostitution. So if you don't have an affair to remember on AshleyMadison.com, they will give you your money back, and that is no questions asked. That's right. If you can't find the prostitute that works for you, just let the pimp know. You're a John, and we all think the best of you. It's 100% secure, free to join, and completely anonymous. It's like an exclusive club. How about disease-free? Everyone is checked out. What? Completely anonymous. Everyone... Are you telling me that I, if I go there, i got to leave a specimen? I don't think I want to do that. Well, I don't know if there's a specimen, but everyone makes sure that you know, they know who they're going out with. So and, and you don't have to have sex. It could just be companionship with AshleyMadison.com. Oh, I got plenty of companionship, Fez. That's not what I'm looking for. But do I get checked for VD? No, you're not going to get a physical check for VD. Oh, okay. I heard you say you uh, do. So AshleyMadison.com, it's the affair to remember, guaranteed, or they give you your money back. No questions asked. 100% secure, free to join, completely anonymous. Sign up right now with AshleyMadison.com. Affairs guaranteed. We literally just missed a header by about two feet. But, you know, that's consistent. Mussolini's missing his head.
I thought it was hanged upside down by the feet and they're shot. Only, they're only going to get so many fucking chances against us. I just wish they'd wear the colors of their countries, of their flags. Light blue just doesn't look like an Italian color. All the guys look like Furio. Like eight Furios out there. The USA can get, a re- get away with white, but I'd still like to see a little more red and blue in there as well. I think uh, Wes Anderson writes a good screenplay, too. I think Rushmore was one of the best screenplays ever written. Beautiful language in that. And that was before his movies started to have the same kind of tint. Mm, I disagree. I think the first one was my favorite. Really? Yeah. Bottle Um, Rocket? Yeah. Not expecting where it was going, where the story was going. That was terrific. Just Bill Murray's character alone in in Rushmore is just just so well, well written. Yeah, I don't know. If, I think we've talked about this. I don't even know if I can pick out a favorite movie by him. All right, that's just about it for us. Fezzy, anything on your mind? Anything you want to uh, get out there before we get on the road today? Um, no, I think that is about it. Um, our friend KLP, he's got his new movie out, Every Other Day is Halloween. That's going to premiere Saturday, June 27th at the AFI Theater. Now, if you want to go and check this out, for more information and tickets, go to AFI dot com slash silver that's for kop's new movie every other day is halloween oh this is the documentary that he did mm-hmm. and it's about uh, what's the guy's name in baltimore or something or washington yeah the uh, the horror host and now i can't think of his name well, that sounds great all right that is it for us see you guys back on uh, monday have a great weekend it's Today is Monday. Son of a bitch. So we have a whole week. Tomorrow's Tuesday. We're just back in here like normal tomorrow? Yep. All right. Take care, buddy. See you tomorrow. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. Satellite Satellite's gone way up tomorrow. Soon it'll be filled with park and cars I watched it for a little while I love to watch things on TV With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday With Harry, Mark, and John Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my mind I watched it for a I love to watch things on TV Satellite of love Satellite of love
Ron Fez, we're done. Hey! Opie and Anthony are up next on The Virus, XM202, Sirius 197. Prepare to be amazed. Mm-hmm.